Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Hello, retro movie lovers, and welcome back to the movie graveyard. We have got a classic here tonight. The 1974 Tobey Hooper amazing cinematic masterpiece, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In order to do that, there was only one person I had to call up on a rotary dial phone and get him over here, and that's making his triumphant return after he was gone for so long. Bat 32, welcome back. Thanks, man. It's like we just did this. We did that um, yeah. uh, podcast uh, two weeks ago. I think we did. <laughs> well, yeah. I want I want to get into this movie here, but I but but one thing that I want to say is uh, I feel a little bit like I'm pulling you back into the world of podcasting. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I appreciate it. It's always nice to do uh, a different show, um, and it's cool because it's like I'm, you know, like they've been running this pot. We were what was the last uh, comment or commentary we did? It was your seven year anniversary, yes. and it was like, yeah, how, what the fuck have I never been on your show till now? And now I'm like on it consecutively. I feel bad too because like the only reason you really like weren't on it or whatever is like I never thought you really wanted to be and then like you you brought oh, yeah. it up like the last couple you know months or whatever and we would talk a little bit when I would guest on EC but I'm just like I'm like if anybody belongs in the movie graveyard it's Bat Thirty Two. Well, it's like you know a lot of stuff that wouldn't be like covered on EC like I'm dying to roll out and we were even talking for a little bit there of uh, you know I know Zach's been getting busy we were talking about starting up a kino oriented uh, yes. podcast just so we could talk about shit that i just really didn't fit the ec mold and i'm like right. well you know i think i can't i mean you've invited me on i'm like well why even do that when you already kind of got this fucking platform already and i mean you don't really do new movies though right or you do new i, I think movies? the newest movie we did was and i could be wrong but i think the newest movie we did and this was just like it was actually taking an old podcast and repurposing it was like amazing spider-man from like 2011 2012 something like that i just finally watched that <laughs> I, it's my favorite spider-man movie actually is it yeah it's okay. I mean, I don't, you know, it's, a, I, well, I just watched, I watched part, actually I watched part two and I was like, oh, this is good. And I think it's on like Netflix or Tubi. So I watched Probably. the first one, yeah. but I bought the Blu-ray to the second one. And I honestly, I think the, the second one is better than the first, but just I in think my the opinion. second one's really good until the very end, like the last 20 minutes, yeah. it kind of drops the ball a little bit. But Yeah, I agree. But people didn't come here to hear about Spider-Man. They came in to hear about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I have yeah. got the uh, Blu-ray pause on the two-second mark. There's, like, no studio logos. We're just going straight into real credits here. It says Vortex slash Hinkle slash Hooper Production. So I'm going to say... probably turn my volume down. Right? Yeah, turn it down so we yeah. don't get the uh, copyright strike. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say one, two, three, go. When you hear me say the word go, please hit play on your emotes or your... Uh, what do you got, Bat? The Razor Fist Gaming Mouse? Is that the one you got? Yeah, right. I've got a fucking... I lost a remote for my Blu-ray player, so I got a fucking uh, Universal remote here. Okay. We were just talking about that. Uh, Alright, are you ready, Bat? Yeah. Alright, one, two, three, go. We are rolling, Toby. Yeah, I got this uh, Black Web uh, Universal remote, which was kind of was kind of pricey, I think, when... Sounds cool. This up. 
it's it's okay. I'm mean, half the buttons don't even work for it, so and all the buttons, some of the buttons I need. But... What do you want to say about the opening crawl? This is like this is what influenced George Lucas clearly with the black background and the yellow letters. Is that true? I don't know. I think it's got to be right though, because like he was like when he, when this movie came out and was playing like two years straight in drive-ins, that's when he would have been on post-production and everything. So. Well, a lot of people attribute uh, Last House on the left and its success to why uh, we've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And if you remember, and we were actually, interestingly enough, it was either this or Last House on the left, and you right. picked this, uh, we were going to cover. But uh, Last House on the left actually had uh, these events are true, yada, 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 yeah. but not quite like a crawl, but right. it had a little thing at the beginning. Um, so very similar. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the opening narration is read by uh, t- a college student at John. the time, John Larroquette. Yeah. John Larroquette, yeah. Who, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've read this numerous times that he uh, just came in and did it and they paid him with a joint. Did you ever hear that story? No, I didn't, but I've listened yeah. to the commentary, the original commentary. I don't know about the later. I don't know if there's a more modern uh, I think there's a more modern uh, commentary with Hooper too, as well on these yeah, Blu-ray just like by and... himself. Yeah. Well, was he by himself on that original? Because that original was taken from. I think it goes as far back as the the uh, laser disc. Yeah, if it's I remember super old because the original like has 90s. Toby, Gunner, and Daniel Pearl. So yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but and, yeah, this has always been a classic, in my opinion. I originally seen this uh, VHS under the Wizard Video release at um, uh, this sleazy little mom and pop that had all the sleazy horror. Sleazy's Last House on the Left was there. I spit on your grave. Traces of death, faces of death, real death scenes. I mean, it had the scuzziest, a whole porno section. It was the dirtiest pornos. It was called Video World, baby, and I loved that place. Yeah, it was I, my favorite place to go. I think I didn't even really see this like all the way through until after summer school came out and then like my dad always told me about it because my mom and dad saw it at the drive-in like it scared my mom so bad she crawled like under the dashboard of the car like my dad don't even know how she got underneath there but um yeah and eventually it was effective. what was that yeah, I said it was effective though. oh huh? yeah yeah for sure yeah. and then like yeah like um I remember we rented it and I saw it on VHS and like yeah but um I don't know like every movie looked like shit on VHS so like not to go too much as everybody says oh this movie's supposed to look like shit because I watched it on VHS and looked terrible I, to me every movie looked terrible on VHS back then so, right. so it was like I like I really fell back in love with this when the Blu-ray came out the original Blu-ray came out and I was like oh you can actually like see the shit and it's not like all dark and fuzzy you know well, the VHS that I had, I finally had gotten a copy because I remember. So I originally seen it on the Wizard, but at some point that got stolen from that video store, and then they didn't have a copy. Of course, it got stolen, you know. Yeah. And I actually know the first time I saw it, it was the neighbors that I'd go over to their house, and they would always be playing it, and I, I would, I had to piece the movie together over time. Like this one was like really young. I was like. I don't know, like five or six, and they'd always have it on in different parts, and it would just fuck with my head. And I'd be like, "What is this movie?" Yeah. They're the ones that stole the VHS eventually. So later on, um, I seen it on like cable or something all the way through, and then um, 
Then I would go to this other video store called uh, Horizon Video, which I really liked a lot. Actually, uh, Cockbuster came in and bought them all out. I won't, I'm not going to say they ran them out of business, but they tantalized them in buying their locations. Right. And, and they went out of business, and they were a great – they had a porno section too. They had the media VHS of this. And then so when that happened, I they didn't carry – once the Blockbuster moved in there, it, I don't know if the tape got sold or something, but they didn't have it on their shelves anymore at it that probably location. Just, probably just broke because, like, I remember when I worked at a video store, and I worked at a video store late. Like, I worked on the video store when VHS was dying. But there was, like, certain movies, even ones we had multiple copies of, and people would just, like – I remember Oh Brother were out there. People, Old people especially would come and just rent that nonstop like it was a new release and, like – if shit was really uh, rented heavily, like always out bat, like, and I'm sure TCM would have been like that, like those tapes would like out of heavy use, like, cause tapes aren't really meant to be played every single day. <laughs> Dude, like they would unspool or break or just the plastic would break. And like, depending on um, what the store would do, like I worked at Hollywood video and they would try to get us to try and fix them. But I know a lot of stores would just throw them away and then like not give a shit about reordering another one. You know what I mean? Well, interesting fact about that, what you bring up is, uh, I mean, first of all, media the media tape was the thicker, heavier-duty tapes, the heavier ones that were made for video rental, for made for playback. But I know who always had it rented out. It was me, and I, because I could never find a VHS copy go. Mm-hmm. I literally would, because it was so cheap. It was like, I think, a dollar for like a week. Oh, I wow. would literally, yeah, I would literally just keep calling up there, and then when I go back, when I would go back to rent anything new, I would just keep it and keep paying, and I kept it for six months. I was six or say, seven months. You, you I, could yeah, keep I never TCM. brought it back. Yeah, if it was a dollar a week, you could keep TCM for right. a whole year for only 52 bucks. Right. I just So for like six months, I remember I kept renting it until I think what I did was I hooked two VHS players up and um, – I dubbed myself a copy, but then later on I found this um, Castle Hill, who are the ones that put out the, um, they put out the Laserdisc in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. They put out a VHS that was uncensored and blah, blah, blah. I finally found that in 98 at an on cue, and I bought that VHS copy, and <clears throat> see, the restoration on that was decent, but it left a lot of the grain, and so I think that's what a lot of these guys are saying is like they want it enhanced but they want the grain and the scratches left in which i i kind of get that like especially with like and i still haven't i mean i'm i'm sorry you probably have i still haven't watched that thriller release i just haven't had time but like i'm hoping that they did they oh you haven't (laughs) i mean i I skimmed it to compare between the blu-ray and the 4k but i didn't like sit down and watch the whole movie is there still scratches? I mean, it wasn't really a heavily scratched film, but I don't it was really grainy. Remember the scratches. I just remember the, the 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 like emulsion of the grain and everything was real obvious. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just like stuff like that. I get it because I watch a lot of you know EC grindhouse stuff. We we watch a lot of sleazy gutter shit, and um, yeah, man, I like to, I like to have that. Um, yeah, this print just looks, I mean, beautiful. I'm looking at this one, and it just looks great. And I get what you're saying. I mean, yeah, like, and there is still some grain. I think you can see the grain more at night in this print. Yeah, but the night No, I get is... it. The, the colors are more vivid and stuff. And I guess with that exchange, we had to lose the scratches, cigarette burns, and grain. Yeah. 
Um, I like you know, I, I like kinda... the this version better, honestly, back because like to me, like I don't really care. And don't get me wrong, I do sometimes like watching Grindhouse prints and shit. I mean, I get the yeah. appeal of it, but like I like considering this is such a classic movie, like this is like pretty much the Citizen Kane or one of the Citizen Kanes of horror genre. I kind of want it's the ultimate horror film. Yeah, I kind of want to see what Toby and like. Daniel Pearl were like trying to actually shoot when they were looking through the viewfinder. I want to see right. what, what more like accurately what was captured on that film stock when they shot it. You know what I mean? Right. And this was stored properly. You see a lot of like the last house on the left. Don't, I mean, just to, for anybody out there. And I ain't trying to promote fucking arrow because i know you're you don't like to promote <laughs> those guys on here. I mean, just what's the point? Okay, <laughs> cool. Let's get a 4K with some glitches on it. <laughs> Well, look, I don't look the t- the the Blu-ray. A lot of guys probably listening already know this, but if you haven't bought the Last House on the Left, just buy the standard edition. I picked up the um, uh, the Steel Book, but they've got like a regular standard edition. And if they ever put out a 4K, don't ever touch that thing because the 2K already isn't very impressive. And it's because that print, like they cobbled a bunch of prints, the best prints they could get um, to make one print, and I think that's what they've been uh using since that first mgm dvd came out that there is only one decent print because it wasn't stored properly but this was stored in the austin whatever university archives and it looks i mean it's night and day this is where we looked it up we were we're wondering earlier and you said yeah this was 16 millimeter 35 millimeter blown up 35 millimeter same thing with last house but it's night and day to the way they stored and preserved the element. And clearly the last house on the left, uh, elements were not stored and preserved properly. Yeah. I don't know. That MGM blue is good enough for me on last house personally. Like yeah. That. I've got the, I've got the arrow one, but I'm not. And you know, we were talking about this on the, you know, on the last episode of the Hills have eyes. I got that steel book for that. I'm, I'm done at two K with that, you know, with two K I haven't even gotten a chance to watch it, watch that transfer, but go ahead and put out a 4 Oh, they got a 4K of that, but go ahead and put a 4K out of last on the left. I'm not buying it, and a lot of people are going to be shitting yeah. on it, you know? Like, I don't know which way to go with um, The Hills Have Eyes. I, like, I know we got to jump back into actually covering this movie here in a second, know, but, right? like, like, I'm kind of like, should I find some sort of just standard Blu-ray release of Hills Have Eyes? You know what I mean? And Just like, get the Steelbook. Yeah. Like I did. And I didn't buy it from Arrow. I bought it on eBay. You know, I bought it brand new. It's the FYE special edition, still sealed. I think I got it for like 30 bucks, which I think that was what it, I mean, it's, it's technically brand new. I mean, I think that's what it retailed for. So you're not, I mean, you're not getting, getting a deal, but I mean, it is, I think it's out of print as far as you can't get it at FYE anymore because it was an exclusive, but you know. I would go with that. That's my opinion. I like the art on that steel book. That 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 art wasn't used on any of the other releases that Arrow put out, and uh, that's that's the one I recommend. So, but yeah, like like rewatching this, you know, not not just this time, but you know, when I had the the first Blu-ray of TCM, um, just as an older person, like I just really enjoy the style of this movie, and that's why yeah. I like I like seeing a good print with some good sound of it. And uh, to me, like, one of my favorite things, like, one of the kind of, like, the first highlight, besides obviously the cool opening narration, is I love that shot, how it hangs on that shot of the melting fucking corpses that have been dug up. And then you get the voiceover, or the the news report on the radio about all the grave yeah. digging that's been going on. 
and, and um, you you couldn't get you couldn't hear what they were really saying until uh that uh pioneer mix original dvd right. like before it was all kind of muffled and now you can like hear and even these even these transfers you can the audio mixes on these are even more like uh, like I can make out more. Like when I was watching this one, I only watched parts of it the other day, just scanning through it or whatever, because uh, I haven't watched in so long. And I was like, "Man, this is clear as day." Like I, there's other stuff like the Texaco plant that blew up. Like it's all real shit too off yeah. the radio they grabbed. You it's know, all and, gruesome uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, I just love. Yeah, I love it. And then you've got the moon spot or the sun spots, and um. <laughs> My last issue of uh, Sleeves Fiend, um, this guy had written a very interesting article about the occult uh, connection with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, it starts out, I mean, and actually he makes a good point that there's some, I don't know if it's subconscious. It can't be, though, completely because uh, Pam is uh, getting into, which I have that book that she's looking through. I got a copy. I don't know if it's. It looks identical. They put out a few different edi- like a few different editions, like because it's a astrology book, so you need it to be up to date. So they put out a few different editions around 72, 73, 71, 72, 73, but it pretty much looks identical. But yeah, I mean, she's looking in there talking about astrological movement. So you already have this occult element um, going on, but it's like even further to where um, the hitchhiker uh, smears this this like looks like a symbol with his blood on the side of it and it looks like um this guy is kind of has been comparing it to um uh saturn or something like that and uh yeah i mean when you start when you go back and you look through this lens of with the sunspots at the beginning with the title sequence that's that that's not something i always thought it was like uh, the inside of the cook's oven Mm-hmm. in the old prints right. uh of like a meat cooking yeah and but it's not it's actually like these real footage of the sun spots exploding right um and then you just get like i don't know you just get a lot more like moon shots and uh just a lot of weird weird ref cult references especially with the teenagers uh, it really does make sense that uh and i wish i had that article in front of me i could hit the bullet points on everything but uh, yeah for sure yeah. i mean even just like the way the house is decorated i mean it's it's not mm-hmm. just it's not just it's a lot of bones but it's not just bones randomly scattered like there's sculptures and there's things that are almost like little altars placed throughout the house yeah. if you really want to like go through on the blue and like freeze frame and look at the shit you know but like you know we were talking about this earlier about how uh we were talking about video games just aren't as good movies obviously aren't as good as even like 20 years ago not even i mean this is way further back but like this type of element okay so like he didn't have to like uh hooper didn't really have to solely rely on the occult element to sell it whereas like today's filmmakers would be like look look they're reading astrology there's some kind of a cult element. It would just be shoved in your fucking face right. till the end where you're like, okay, I get it. I'm exhausted. Go away. Like, this is stupid. Whereas this is just like subconscious in the background. It's like, yeah, this is like a subplot too. But like, it's re- but like really it's more like what's going on with these wacko people, this family and exactly. why, why are they eating flesh? And like, you know what I mean? But it's in the back. It's still lurking in the background. And it's like, I don't know it's just like a whole melting pot of things that's why like i don't think they can ever you can't you couldn't remake this movie you can't put a sequel out that that touches this film 
And I don't think that any, I think this is the granddaddy of all modern, you know, horror films. I don't think that it's, will ever be top. I, I, I have yet to see it be top. Yeah, like it's it's really weird, and I I mean, obviously, we weren't alive when either of these movies came out, but like to me, bad. I always looked at it as like Night of Living Dead in '68, and then this film in '74. We're really like '72. You had Last House, Last House, yeah, yeah. like like just it was just like almost like a one-two punch of like Mm -hmm. like the transition point. Obviously, nobody knew it at the time, but it was like the transition point into what would end up being modern horror. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think those, I think, uh, spring up those three, Night of Living Dead, Last House on the Left, and this, and I think this is the culmination, this is the peak yeah. of everything. Uh, obviously, uh, George Romero kind of kicked it off. Um, there was other stuff, you know, before that, but it was more on the hokey uh, drive-in stuff, so it was like, kind of quite not there this has dark comedy in it because like i had a buddy uh one of my buddies he would always laugh at this you know like the cook and all the shit going on at the dinner table and it's like funny but it's like sick but like you gotta be like sick individual to really get into it but yeah i guess it's dark comedy it is really like a lot of dark comedy in this but i mean Sitting down watching this film in, in 1974 at a drive-in or a movie theater, I don't think anybody was laughing. No, no, I don't, no. I don't think anybody was laughing. If you know, obviously, you've watched it a hundred times, and you're like, uh, you know, Franklin is just like on edge, and he's just goofy as fuck, and him hurting himself and stuff. You laugh and you laugh at that shit, and I think you know the filmmakers wanted you to laugh at it, but it wasn't like, no, Last House on the Left, um bumbling police officer with the, with the music shit. playing the cop yeah music, with yeah. the goofy and then you got ada show ada washington showing up with the chickens yeah. and uh <laughs> you know uh so and then and, and that's probably why last house isn't didn't hit the peak is because um he had all that goofy shit which um i think he i think west said you know he he put that in there just to like give the audience a break whereas toby's like now we're not giving them a fucking break. Like that, you know, this is the formula that works falls to the wall. It just keeps ramping up and ramping up and ramping up, you know? Well, one thing I want to talk about too, is like, you know, you got this <laughs> like really kind of threadbare plot line of these kids on their way to like a concert or whatever. And like, got all this grave robbing and they stop at the, the cemetery where their uh, I think their grandfather's buried. They just want to double check, make sure their family grave wasn't robbed and all that shit. But like, you know, like don't get me wrong. I think Last House is a very well made film too. The way it's shot mm-hmm. and edited. But like, you look at that two year gap, how much they progress, and I, that's why I always think like Toby and Kim Hinkle and Daniel Pearl, especially like like they don't get enough credit as filmmakers as like. They were very modern filmmakers for the time. This film's from 1974, but, and I get it, like, people think it's low budget because, you know, you just see all these old ramshackle places and everybody's, like, all sweaty and not Hollywood actor looking. But if you actually, uh, bat, if you actually examine the shots and the cutting style and how, how often the, they actually edit, like, this actually took a lot of coverage for a no budget film. Like, they knew what they were doing. Like, either toby or daniel pearl somebody was kind of editing this film in their head as they were shooting it because like it cuts together so well and it feels like a movie that's more from like 1978 1979 than 1974 you know what i mean it's very modern 
The reason that is is because Toby, this isn't Toby Hooper's first film. Um, Toby Hooper directed a feature-length film in 1969 called Eggshells, which I just got a, I had to get a rip because the fucking DVD is out of print. So, and I wanted to try to, I got it yesterday, and I just didn't have enough time to sit down and watch it before this. But I, like, scanned through it, dude, and there's this one fucking I don't know. It's out of context, but there's this one sequence where it's like all sped up and they're like walking with a camera into this house. Mm-hmm. And dude, it's like a trip. Like it looks psychedelic, like a trip. Like, and he keeps having the smoke up here. And dude, I don't know. I don't know who cinematographer is. And, uh, I don't know if it's, da- if it's Daniel Pearl did it. I would imagine cause they went to, uh, they went to school together. That's yeah. I think how they met. So he might've done the cinematography, but, um, yeah, it's like it's not a horror film. I think it's like a drama or something like that. But um, no, I mean he's already had experience uh, working. He did a short film that's on. It's called um, this. The the feature is called Eggshells, and then he did this one in '71, a short film called Heisters, um, and that's on that DVD too as well for Eggshells or whatever. So he he had experience already. Uh, working on stuff. That's why when he got to this, I mean he'd already cut his teeth on a experimenting um i think that probably helped out a lot i mean look at that trucking shot when the girls yeah. uh i know they did a lot of trucking shots which a lot of filmmakers uh independents weren't doing exactly and you know you can see the difference especially i've been doing an article on kenneth anger and he didn't have a lot of money for his short films or whatever but he did a lot of trucking shots and set up track and stuff. And really, that stuff sets the filmmakers apart. Like, if the guys that had that stuff going in the late 60s into the 70s, you can tell that there's more skill there than just some guys running around. Like, last house on the left, I don't remember any trucking shots. There's a lot of handheld yeah. stuff. Granted, it was well done. It was very you well know? done, but you could tell yeah. they, did, they didn't have the amount of camera setups when, when no, they shot. No, and they could... They could have built stuff, you know, but, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. And, and they found ways around. There might have been some truck. Maybe I'm speaking out of uh, uh, out of place here with that. I have to go back and watch it. I haven't watched it since last October when I got the uh, steel book. But I always remember that trucking shot uh, where the girls are going up to the Coke machine. And um, yeah. uh, you get a lot of that, too, later on. And you get these running shots and stuff. The hand, Even the handheld is well, is well done. Also, too, the, mic, the shot that Michael Bay based his entire career on of tracking the girl's butt walking up to the house. Like, you always see the the kind of shorter version of that shot of just her ass walking up the house, and they recreate that in the remake thing. But, like, really what's cool about that shot is, like, the part they generally don't show you in the trailer is, like, is the the camera is behind the swing. She's swinging. She stopped. The camera goes under the swing, and then it follows her. That little move where it goes under the swing, it's so freaking cool. Yeah. Oh, no, I've always loved that. I wanted to point out, though, Sally notices – that's when Sally actually notices the um, symbol. And I think she – I don't have the audio on, but I could have sworn she says he smeared some kind of thing on this. He smeared, smeared blood, and then they get, and then when they get to the house, they talk about the symbol more. So that, that tells me that the filmmakers want you to notice what he smeared on exactly. the side of the van. Well, Franklin even says something. There's significance to it. Yeah, he said he says something like, you know, did he mark us so he could follow us? Like Franklin's worried about him getting, you know, them tracking. By the way, we got to talk about the barbecue. Yeah, fucking cut him. So you know, obviously, we got to talk about the barbecue though, because like as somebody who generally enjoys barbecue, 
and obviously Texas is known for its barbecue. The, yeah. the meat that they eat in this movie, it always looks nasty to me. Yeah, I think that's on purpose. And even um on that original commentary, I think Toby Hoover was saying that it was like a dick. And when he was like yeah, uh, it always looked like a chewing dick. on it and yeah. stuff, it looked like a dick. So it, I, I'm pretty sure that they were intending it to look like a dick. Yeah. Like he was chewing on a dick. But like, I guess we should bring this up. Like whatever, like, is it ever really actually clearly established because i was looking for it this time and i still didn't clearly catch it is it ever really established in this original movie that the barbecue is made out of the people that they kill no well oh yeah there's that see it's not like it's very subtle um sally's looking and it looks to be like there's uh organs or a hand or something in Mm -hmm. and you can see it even better on these restoration which you know, again, these restorations, like when she on the VHSs and stuff that I saw, Wizard, and even later the uh, Castle Hill VHS, which seemed to be one of the better, the, la- the later day, you know, a, a transfer looked better. You couldn't see hardly anything that was in that fucking oven when yeah. she gets to the gas station at night later, right? And he turns on her and stuff. Like you can actually see it. It looks like it appears that there's like a hand on the spindle in there or something okay. we'll look here when it comes yeah. around but i think because she freaks her reaction to what's going on inside that oven is that's when things start getting weird and she's like ah that's something, something off but she's so freaked out about the guy with the mask made of flesh wielding a chainsaw chasing her around that it's not as big of a concern but they do zoom in on that that what's going on in that oven the red so, oven yeah there's something going on in there that they want you to look at, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we get the confirmation until TCM two, where it's that hard peppercorn tooth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they spit out. Yeah. Well, the the reason I bring that up is like, yeah, this isn't like heavy on cannibalism, talk of cannibalism, Mm-mm. but like, it's oh no, a... we get it because he's cutting them up and he's putting them in the freezers, right. and um, he's already turned um. When they say when uh, the cook comes home too later on, he's like, "Did you get him?" And he shows like uh, Franklin has already been put into it, turned into a pile of sausages because there's like a pile of sausages on the countertop. Like he's already made him into sausage or whatever, and you can see like his like one of the girls um, is in the Pam, I think's in the freezer. And then uh, you see also in the corner that fucking Franklin's wheelchair is all folded up and shit, like yeah, set yeah. up against the freezer. And then, like, I think he's, like, indicated that he's a pile of sausages now. Well, also, too, maybe it just wasn't, like, completely... By the way, the shot of the guy seeing the nest of spiders, that's, like, such mm-hmm. a classic moment, the way they zoom oh, yeah. in and they zoom in on his face. And it's it just obviously it's something they just improvised when they got to the house and saw yeah, the spiders. Because, yeah, they said that was, like, a, that was just there, and they're like, let's film it, you know, yeah. so... But, uh, yeah, because Toby said they were trying to get a PG rating with this because there was no PG-13 at the time. It was just PG well, to R. And, like, that's why they intentionally yeah. didn't show, like, too much like, Nudity or, yeah. or there's no language. Yeah. Well, there is because he, like, 
call them a bitch hogs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they're crazy bitch hogs. But it's like it's it obviously it's just one of those things like you'll just get an R rating just for intensity. Like that happens a lot with right. movies now. They're like, oh, we want the PG thirteen. They're like, like that happened with the first Conjuring movie. They're like, no, it's R. Like you can cut it any way you want, but it scares us too much, so it's always going to be R. And it's like I think that's this what happened. This would have with always TCM. gotten an R. Yeah. This would have always gotten an R even today. This is too. Even today's audiences will be freaked the fuck out if this came back out. I don't care. That's what I'm saying is it carries – it's effective and it will carry on for generations. That's how you know you made the best horror movie ever because, I mean, I still think if this rolls and in, in, is shown to a modern audience that's never seen it before, they're going to they're gonna be scared. I think a modern you know? audience too, honestly, would, would like be taken aback by just how kind of like – retro it is like, like yeah. i remember when i saw the Napo- look yeah like when i saw napoleon dynamite in the theater and there's a bunch of kids it was like the first 20 minutes like nobody was laughing because nobody knew how to took it everybody's like is this serious this is whatever and just like this like if you were just a modern person who only watched slick clean hollywood films mm-hmm. you're probably going to be watching this and watching all the opening shit with the the, the corpses and the voiceover and you're you're probably going to be like well this movie isn't really telling me how to feel about this it's just like right. letting me see this like weird shit you know because they're used to being told how to feel yeah <laughs> these days Dude, wait there's... this is confusing me yeah i'm not being explained what's going on and there's not a narrate like they told me kind of what's going on but that narrator wasn't effective because he didn't tell me what the movie's already about like i actually have to watch it and figure it out and yeah, and there's like nobody to root for in this movie. Like they're not like yeah. virtue signaling to you, like oh Sally is the whatever. Like when you're watching this part of the movie, bat like the early part of the movie before anybody really dies, like you don't know who the fucking main characters are. Like you don't know anything. But after you've rewatched it enough, I think most people that are horror fans are rooting for Leatherface in this yeah, they do. family. Get them. Like I was, I was rewatching some of the scenes from summer school right before, and then Chainsaw and Dave were talking about yeah. like our hero Leatherface. Kept... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they get the show. They had a sixteen millimeter print that yeah. they were screening and stuff. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Here, here, you Franklin gets the uh, the see the little like altar that they placed. So like 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 that I mean because obviously this was their uh, Sally and Franklin their family's old home that you know obviously mm-hmm. they abandoned or whatever but it's obvious the 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 family I mean we don't know it right now but but it's pretty much just like a, the, so- the Sawyers have been hanging out there yeah but it, but it, like they're marking it in a way that to, right. that would really bring into the cult influence like you said yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up to like this, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much it's been. I've read a lot of articles and stuff and I don't remember the comment. Remember Toby Hooper on that first commentary, mind you, that's the only one I've ever seen talk about how they got fucked over on the distribution, but like more has come out over the years and, um, about Branston pictures mm-hmm. who actually is the distributor of this that ran it in the drive through drive-ins and stuff like that yeah. um and made all this money which he talks about and some of the cast have talked about how these guys had gotten a hold of it and basically cut the filmmakers and crew and cast out of the picture till like i don't know what the like into the early 2000 like basically right you know like i i don't think toby hooper got to really fully get 
a piece of that pie till like later before he died like well, like i mean this is imdb trivia so it, it could be like outdated but i was specifically looking up that information and oh, like, i've got it in front of me do you want me to yeah because like the shit i was ransom? reading said like they only like royalties wise like they pretty much only got like 450 dollars per person that worked on the film right. well what happened was is they had a bunch of people that were not smart anyway and then they sold it off to this like i don't know like it like because they it was only like port like basically they had like a 40 some percent uh stock in the film but then that was then that was supposed to be split with all these other financiers and then i think there was like can't remember there was like some post-production more cost so that's yeah. how branston got into it and branston um is actually uh was a company that was um, ran by the Colombo crime family, right? Anthony Perino in um, uh, Branson actually put out Deep Throat, right? Uh, Party at Kitty and Studs, aka Italian, Italian Stallion, Stallion. Yeah. yeah, Flesh for Frankenstein, Dark Star, um, Coonskin, Devil's Reign, and um, some other stuff. They put out, I think they put out um, Nightmare and a Damaged Brain too, as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what happened. And like these mobsters basically like made a killing and literally millions and millions and millions, who knows, because it's all crime oriented and they're not going to show the real numbers of what they were dragging in, but, um, off of the drive-in and like they own these fucking drive-ins. So like, and they were like notorious for fucking skimming. And I've talked about this in a lot of my articles and sleeves being about how they were doing it in the peep shows and stuff like that, how they were skimming uh, so that nobody really knew how much, how many quarters they were taking in. They were doing the same thing with the drive-ins and the movie theaters that they owned. And obviously the porno theaters were outlawed to begin with anyway. So they were probably showing, they're probably like showing that they weren't making a profit so that they could like, um, file for bankruptcy or whatever and have to pay any taxes but they were like i heard that they made like millions and millions off of this and that's oh. not just 70s month i'm like talking there that's probably be like they probably made a, a, a lot a lot more money than they should have normally in the 70s off this but toby none of them got a, a dime off of this but um yeah, here's a little. On August 28, 1974, Louis Perino agreed to distribute the Texas Chainsaw Massacre worldwide, from which production manager Ron Bozeman and Texas Film Commissioner Warren Scarron would receive 225000 which is about, twelve, um, I guess, $12 million inflation adjusted and 35% of the profits. Years later, Bozeman stated, We made a deal with the devil, and I guess that, in a way, we got what we deserved. They signed the contract with Branson, and after the investors recouped their money with interest, and after Scarin, the lawyers and accountants were paid only eight thousand one hundred dollars, which was about forty-four thousand inflation adjusted, was left to be divided among the twenty cast and crew members. Eventually, the producers sued Branson for failing to pay them their full percentage of the box office profits. A court judgment instructed Branson to pay filmmakers uh, half a million dollars. But by then, the company had declared bankruptcy because they were fucking mobsters and they were slick. Yeah, um, like they, from what I, when I read, they were basically using Branson Film Corporation as a way to launder as, money. It was a front. Yeah, everything was a front. Um, and a lot of these guys that were involved with peep shows and stuff, 
figured out getting into the um, move, you know, the film, mainstream film business and stuff like that. Um, another one out of the South was doing it. He produced a bunch of. Um, uh, he produced Seizure, uh, the first Oliver Stone film, and, and these were all used to launder this peep show money. A lot of them were involved with the peep shows, and so they needed to launder that type of money and stuff like that. And um, yeah, investing it into pornos, and obviously Branston's. I, I don't think Deep Throat's the only porno that they produce. It's the biggest one. Again, that that was one where they got the film and like um, Damiano, who directed that, and like uh, Harry Reams took the fall for that. He's the only one that they went after. The main actor, they went after him. Uh, and didn't really didn't go after the director, the actress, or like any of the producers or anything. Like he kind of took the fall for that one for him. Well, meanwhile, they're fucking making a killing off Deep Throat, uh, you know, when theaters. So, you know, yeah, this company was like dirty. And apparently um, in 83, though, New Line, that's how new, because I remember my VHS had that old school New Line. It was on, it was the same logo that was on uh, First Nightmare on Elm Street. Where it's like, uh, like electrical, like I don't yeah, know, it's like it I love it. that logo. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! But yeah, '83 New Line uh, acquired all the Branston uh, stuff, all their properties. They bought all those properties and stuff like that uh, in '83. So that's when we started getting home video uh, releases, and I would say that's right. That must have been right around when wizard must have put out that they must have licensed it new line must have licensed it to wizard video right i would for think, distribution i would think so because yeah new line didn't have 83 its own home video set up yet. yeah 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 so and of course yeah i mean even that i remember even that uh wizard had the new line that logo which god it's just Dude, if a new line, if another new, if a, because I know New Line still does that that property, they still put the logo, right? Am I correct, or was that like five years ago? I saw some new shit that had. Yeah, it's it still new exists, line. but it's really weird. Like I don't even know how to describe it when it pops up on shit and when it doesn't. Yeah, be cool if somebody did a new horror movie and it was involved with New Line or whatever, and they used that old logo like how George Romero was doing yeah. it with Land of the Dead, and then. Some other guys started doing that, like, stuff with the, oh, we want the, I think um, Rob Zombie, I just saw that trailer Monsters, for yeah. Monsters, and yeah. he used the old Universal logo, too. I haven't seen the movie. I've, it's exactly, everyone's saying, like, Newt, Newt loves this fucking goofy shit, mm-hmm. and he said he had to shut it off. It, if it was so bad that Newt no, had I, to shut I, it off. I watched it Friday night. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Newt couldn't even finish it, dude. It, you're lying to me. I'm not lying to you. I, I mean, I love the monsters, though. Ass. So I mean, That trailer looked ass. Well, okay, here's the thing with the trailer. The trailer had the unfinished sound and the unfinished visuals. It, the movie doesn't look anything like that trailer. Like, they did all the color grading. They put a, a film grain uh, filter over it. Like, it, the movie actually looks very good. I don't know. I was, I was not happy with Three from Hell. And I'm I still haven't seen that, that one. Uh, it's only Rob Zombie movie I haven't well, seen. You know what? You, you don't even need to see it because it sucks. I mean, literally, like literally, I'm gonna be honest with you. There's like the two main scenes that made Devil's Rejects great. He tried to do it again. Uh, he has a motel scene. <laughs> it's like he tries to recreate the TV. He tries to remake his Devil's Rejects. He's like, oh, this was successful, so I'm gonna remake scenes from it. And then, like, it's kind of like the that whole tiki motel scene. It's broken into two scenes. 
But, like, basically he tries to do what was successful in that one scene again, but he has to do it over two scenes. And, and the second part, the, like, weird where there's a hostage deal, I'm just going to – I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there's, like, you know, that's the same thing we got in Devil's Rejects that was so intense. He tries to do that again. And it's good. It's like the only scene that's good. But I'm just like, after I watch the movie, I'm just like, you just did what you did in Devil's Rejects and you thought it was going to work again. Like, I don't, you know, well, you're a hack, dude. You don't know how to write a screenplay and your dialogue is fucking horrendous. Like, there's you're enough not a good people writer. making a good living right now on the internet hating on Rob Zombie. <laughs> I'm not a hate. I'm not a Rob Zombie hater. I'm really I like not. Him. I, I mean, I, I like some films like more than stuff. others, but I like them. And I like, and then a lot of people hate Halloween too. I like Halloween too. I love too. Halloween I, too. I just saw, I just saw Max fucking uh, Halloween list, and he had Halloween too as the last on I his list. That. And I was like, "Are you kidding? Are, you're kidding me, right? Like this the resurrection gets a notch up from Halloween too." I was like, "Bro, what are you smoking? <laughs> like you're, uh, you you smoking something, ain't you, buddy? Like somebody laced your weed or something? Because uh, you're 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 sadly mistaken, sir." But we had we had the first um, kills there. You had the the guy get the, get the hammer in the head. That's yep. an iconic shot. I love Leatherface oh, yeah. standing in front of the red wall with all the bones on it. And then you had the girl get caught. And again, it's like that that shot of her get like running out of the house and Leatherface mm-hmm. pulling her and back get in. Grabbed yeah. on her waist, mid mid just rips her out of the air. Yeah, like that's yeah. so iconic. And then like obviously her shoes puts actually him... fly off her feet. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Chonkles, yeah. yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean that's just all like I think that sequence right there pretty much has him, you know, with the exception obviously the chainsaw dance at the end. But in terms of Leatherface actually killing people, I think that was the best sequence out of all the movies. Um, yeah, I know I like this guy too. Uh, is this J- this is Jerry uh, Sally's boyfriend yeah. with the with the little uh, Jew afro and stuff going, and uh, he's got the wiry. Uh, uh, fucking glasses. There was I a lot of white guy afros back then. I've noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so common. Yeah. Uh, but I just love his flowered. Is that was totally. Uh, my uncle had a shirt like everybody that was a cool dude. Uh, I think I even seen a picture of Pete with one of those like type of fluffy. <laughs> you know, everybody. You were pimp man. Like you were pulling the wool if you had that shirt. And I can see why this dork. It's fucking got, you know, Sally and stuff. Cause like, and it's great. He's like, Kurt, this was, this is when I first saw this. I went over to that neighbor's house and this dude's like looking, I just saw what happened to those two. And like, so I'm seeing this out of context, you know, like as far, well, I mean, what's context with this film? It's just brutality, but, um, yeah, I just seen what happened to these people. And now like, I, cause I come over to the neighbor's house and I'm like five or six. And then all of a sudden I'm like, this is like it's seriously like you're like dude don't go there like bad shit's happening like i yeah. remember thinking in my head what are you stupid like and he's all wandering like a like a like a you know going into the mousetrap like you Those know shots are like, great that's too of him walking yeah, well, against the trees around yeah and, and when he gets up to the house and he's like Kurt, Kurt, and like i don't know this movie just like the formula and everything just works because they're so clueless and it's like they're fucking going like and then you know we get more sub like little subconscious subtext like because um the hitchhiker's talking about um 
his family working at the slaughterhouse. They're going past the slaughterhouse. It's stinking. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, my grandpa, my uncle used to work there. And that's like the cows going up to the going up to get hit in the head with a sledgehammer like they have no idea and i think that's what they're trying to create here i mean there's so much going on on so many levels here of like okay you get the base um you get the base plot which is just these kids are like whatever wandered into this fucking and you know are getting murdered but then you got other things like yeah, they're like the lamb to the slaughter, like the cows of the slaughter. Like he has no idea what's coming. Like, and he's just like a cow going to the, into the slaughterhouse. Well, ba- and well we ba- even don't have you... a slaughterhouse door. You know? Yeah, I mean, don't you think there's something too? Because they talk a lot early, you know, in the beginning part of the movie, with the hitchhiker. They talk about all oh, the slaughterhouse around here. My daddy worked mm-hmm. there, but it's like, and it's like all shut down. And it's like it's like kind of this weird thing of like this film takes place at a period in time, especially out in like country areas where it's like, it's the transition time of like when people used to have to kill their own food to where people in like modern times just buy their food at the supermarket. And these people are clearly out in the middle of nowhere. So like they're stuck in the old ways and it just obviously like, there's something about when you kill your own food all the time. I mean, I'm not saying it would make you want to kill a human either, but like, a person who just kills animals all the time and doesn't think anything about it, you know? And I know we all, you know, we eat the flesh, we eat hamburgers, whatever we eat. Well, there's a difference between, like, knowing that this shit was killed somewhere and doing it yourself and then eating it, you know what I mean? And, like, I just feel like there's a, like you said, going back to the cult stuff and the ancient ways and just the more barbarian time of life that humans used to live in, you know what I mean? Well, I just think it's so impressive that these filmmakers are, like, I mean, you know, like you ask like film scholars or whatever, and they're probably going to disagree with this. But like the more and more I've seen this movie, and I will say this, and maybe you have too, I've probably seen this film at least easily over a hundred times, if not more. I mean, I, I've seen this movie a lot, man. Uh, I mean, a lot. And the whole occult element—that was something I read that guy's article and then watched it again and was like, "Whoa, this guy's onto something here." He watched it on—I um, think when he wrote that article, he and I—I I ended up asking him if I could rerun it and please feed because I thought it was just so interesting and nobody had ever talked about that occult like angle. And um, and I'm just like, you know, they're and then just like me talking about them going to the slaughter, like they're at the slaughterhouse and stuff. You got the slaughterhouse door and stuff. Just so much like um, subconscious stuff going on in this film that it's really impressive with some like they it might not have been his first film, but like it's very impressive that this guy's on some kind of Kubrick multi-layered type film uh, plot and everything like this goes beyond the um surface plot and you get into these le- these layers of how this guy was able and you know everyone else involved was able to execute this in uh you know in the conditions they're shooting in too i mean i've heard enough of that commentary with um henson and hooper about how hot it was yeah. and how like the gas was going crazy and shit like but to still be able to um transcribe all of this stuff onto the film as you're shooting it and like that's why i say i don't know if this was all conscious like some of it was but like i don't know that everything here is actually conscious i think it's some kind of like subconscious collective thing 
that's going on to the film. Like I don't know, maybe we're maybe I'm reaching reaching no, really think so. far. I now, think a lot but... of it is cerebral because I think these these filmmakers are like very intelligent people. But I think also too, like you said, like like once you go in like almost subconscious like okay we're going to decorate the house and we're going to put bones there like that's like a note you put whatever but once you actually get there and you're making all these weird bone sculptures and you're arranging it and you're doing all this shit and then like you know like gunners in the mask and he's doing all this shit and you got lampshades made out of faces and all this crazy shit like i think there is something there to where it's just like the whole effect of it starts working on you and like even for a creative person like your brain starts working differently and even though you're just like you start out thinking you're just going to scratch the surface of kind of these themes and stuff and making this horror film the deeper you go into it you know what i mean and especially with like a more amateur production like the way this was small crew i think i think those uh conditions are going to put you more into like actually whether consciously or subconsciously exploring what you're setting up here you know what i mean i think you know what i'm trying to like yeah i agree and i think what i'm trying to more express too and like i don't know it just goes back to what we were talking about it's just not as good like some of it is but like most of these filmmakers out here are fucking hacks compared to these guys they're hacks and like for them to even reach this level which is like okay this is toby uber's second film some of these guys have to make like 20 films to even touch any to even touch any of this stuff or like get near a Kubrick or yeah. Scorsese. I mean, these asshats talking shit about Scorsese. Like, he'll never be able to make movies on his level. And he's mm-hmm. like, he's not even trying. Like, he's not even in his prime anymore. Like, the, and you can't even touch him. Like, because you guys just aren't in the same league. And that because the league is like lowered its standards now because of, right. but I mean, I know you watch fucking superhero movies. I know you watch the stuff and like, but that's what it's been watered down to now is like, oh, well, if we have an explosion and like basically Michael Bay is one, like, you know, in Hollywood, like, this action and all this stuff and something happening constantly like that that indicates to to the modern audience this is a good film if there's something exciting happening every 30 seconds well not like that's how you gauge whether it's good or not you know not only that bad but like i would say not to go too far down this but like i would say really in modern times is like what kind of sucks is when you watch something like you're not watching the superhero movie like you're watching like an indie drama or you're watching like you know a lower budget of film but it's still a studio controlled film and then those films get destroyed and turned into the easily digestible you know like they're pretty much like even though it's a completely different genre like storytelling wise they're they're aping and imitating the the basic superhero films you know what i mean it's like yeah it's like it's just it's just like whereas like this like these people they're young independent filmmakers okay that's that's a new that's a different perspective and they're from texas so they understand what that area is like culturally and they're just able to go in and like just do this shit that is very specific like you couldn't like shoot this in the the backwoods of uh upstate new york and get the same feel you know what i mean well i want to say too that like um if you have you are you familiar with like outsider art and like what that what that entails not not really so like this outsider art and like i want to say that a lot we were getting that more to an extent i mean these guys were exposed to some modern movies and film and stuff like that but like 
basically outsider art is created by someone that's like hasn't had a lot of exposure with the mainstream world and so they're what they're doing their art form is not really um they're not exposed to it so they're not being as uh influenced by it right and that's where you get all this experimental stuff and i think during like say this era there wasn't as many movies coming out um it wasn't as accessible i mean you didn't have home movie home video so I want to say that a lot of these filmmakers, why there's so much originality and so much, like, I don't know, just genuine, like, creativity going on in these older movies is because they're not being over-influenced by, like, everything that's ever come out. Now it's like we're, we push up a button and we can watch anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I mean e- even if your movie library isn't ex- as expansive as, say, yours or mine isn't quite as it as it was 10 20 years ago but uh you know i mean my movie my my movie selection can be though if i have all the streaming apps i mean yeah not everything's on there but and so i think that i think that is problematic for creativity because when you have so many of these influences around you um you know like you're always whether you're consciously or subconsciously you're influenced and like it's getting into your work uh regardless some people think that's cool what if you're a fan of quentin tarantino or rob zombie um you go they're paying homage or whatever but like i think it affects though i think it affects the work and like personally i don't think that django when we talk about quentin tarantino i don't think and i don't give a fuck what anybody says out here they love that they suck that movie's dick i hate it (laughs) <laughs> but uh, Django can't hold a candle to Reservoir Dogs. Oh, I agree you know, with Reservoir that. Dogs, even though, yeah. even though people are saying, "Oh, it ripped off uh, what is it, uh, City City of Fire, City on yeah. Fire, whatever that." Yeah, which and which it like, did. It's shot for shot, it's, but it's still a completely different movie. It's just, I I don't know if it's a shot, dude. I watched that and it was like stretching it really like it really was stretching that 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 was a rip off. It's not. I don't see it being a shot for shot rip off i i watched that movie twice and i don't see it like they don't like they even go into like their their jewel heist it's like a mm-hmm. jewel heist but like that is not even the same there it's not a shot for shot remake. but there's a I lot of the action stuff, like when the guy takes the two pistols and <laughs> shoots up the cop car yeah. and all that shit like that like all that shit is like literally okay. shot for shot okay yeah yeah some of that is yeah but not the entire film and like no. uh some of the plot some of the plot differs like he takes it in a little bit different direction i and there and it didn't open with them around a clock at a at a at a restaurant oh no, no. coffee if i remember correctly so it's not a shot for shot remake but again like i you know and i think he's falling into it too now he's what he's he's now i mean he worked in the video store but now i mean the man's getting 35 millimeter print like he owns 35 millimeter prints of a lot of stuff now right. i mean if he's so high up there now he can like snap his fingers and like get me a 35 millimeter print of this or that to screen and they're gonna roll it out like um i think he kind of gets awarded like uh scorsese fucking status and he hasn't really earned it he's good but he's well i think think he's the scorsese of the 90s or whatever you want to say with that I think that's the problem because, like, he is the best out here right now because everyone else blows. Oh, I agree they're not with that. good, yeah. you know, and so he is the best by default. 
um, which kind of. I mean, sucks. That, that's yeah, why no. I don't get the hate Rob Zombie gets. It's like, okay, you might not like Rob Zombie, but people have literally pegged him like the modern Ed Wood, the worst filmmaker. It's like, dude, I see major studio productions that are mo- more incoherent and sloppy than Rob Zombie movies that are made like oh, super yeah. cheap. I think he just needs to get. He needs to quit. Like, first of all, I think that my recommendation to him is to stop writing your own screenplays. Um, Stan, uh, Stanley Kubrick always based his uh, movies off of books. Even yeah. if you're going to write your own script, I don't even. Write, I don't think his dialogue's that good. Like, you should get uh, Tarantino to write your dialogue, dude. Because <laughs> Tarantino's good at writing dialogue. I mean, he is a good screenwriter. I would go on as far as to say Tarantino is a better screenwriter than he is a filmmaker. He's one of the best screenwriters right now working in the industry. And he always has. He has been since his career began. I mean, the guy could have just had a career in screenwriting. I mean, and be successful. I mean, that's what he tried to do initially. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's that's where Rob's lacking is the screenwriting. But like, look, you get, you know, Chainsaw, what we're watching here. And, you know, we got great dialogue. We got great storyline. This script probably wasn't that sophisticated. No. You it's know, a, it's a I don't, visual I've never, movie. right, absolutely, it's not dialogue driven, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this, this didn't rely on the screenplay, this relied on a melting pot of things that came together and stuff like that, but there's more, like I said, I've been trying to get across it, man, there's more going on here than meets the eye, that this isn't just some cannibalistic fucking chill, uh, family with, a. um, mongoloid fucking chainsaw wielding fucking son with a flesh you know mass made of flesh i mean that's just the surface plot uh there's more going on here and i don't know if it's conscious or subconscious i would say about 50 percent of it is conscious i mean uh the slaughterhouse uh angle with their home and stuff like you didn't have them install like a slaughterhouse style door for the kitchen right subconsciously that was a conscious decision you know so there's the Maybe a lot of this, like, we should be giving Toby Uber credit that I a mean, lot of it might be the, conscious yeah. decisions. I mean, I don't want to go too far down the road, but there's a lot of detractors of Toby Hooper, and uh, and a lot of it has to do with uh, his, poltergeist because of the poltergeist yeah, deal. Yeah, that, and then his yeah. canon output. It's like I'll take you know I'll assemble Toby's five best movies, and I'll put them up you know just about against anybody uh, of working a, in the time period he worked in. And it's just like sorry like the dude the dude's got a solid filmography and if you think he can't direct a script that was so clearly like laid out you know like poltergeist then i don't know what to tell you because the man had proven himself to be a a genius director you know i think it's pretty well documented he had some personal problems during the time for sure but um yeah i mean the the guy was super talented and just he, he toby's one of those guys i don't even know if i get really as sad when i think about it i remember that he passed away a couple years ago but it's just yeah. it's just more weird that we live in a world without toby hooper and i know he had been inactive for a long time but like the guy was such a uh, distinct voice because like i you know i didn't grow up obviously with texas chainsaw massacre it came out before i was born i caught it afterwards but i did grow up i do have strong memories of going to see poltergeist invaders from mars uh, life force in the theater like i just always liked the guy like i never had this negative opinion and i think sometimes too it's like that's kind of like you know like tarantino's gotten it a little bit and stuff it's like when somebody gets so 
hype and they made some movies that are so classic then everybody years later they gravitate to their kind of weaker stuff and then they get really critical and i think that happened to toby was like he kept making more and more movies and a bunch of them in my opinion are good but people are like but it will never be texas chainsaw one it will never be that it's just kind of like you got to get over that you know like i don't think the fun house is nearly as good as texas chainsaw massacre but the fun house by itself if if just fucking whoever Joe Smith directed the Funhouse, we'd be saying that that was one of the best horror movies of the early '80s. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, you know, Fun uh, Eating Alive is not as good as this, but it looks like this. And you right. got um, the gal here. What's her name? That plays Sally Hardesty. I'm sorry, I'm Marilyn like, don't Burns. Remember. Yeah, yeah, Marilyn Burns in it, and um, you know, we get uh, introduction of Robert England in there pre Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, he's Buck and he's here to fuck. Um, you know, <laughs> so and I mean, it's just this like bizarre Gonzo story of this like Vietnam veteran with this fucking giant crocodile he's been feeding people to. And it's not to give too much away. I know you said you never seen it yeah, or whatever, but I didn't realize got, it was such a classic the way people talk about it. Yeah, it's kind of obvious with the plot. I mean, the fucking... If, I'm not giving too many spoilers away because the cover shows, like, fucking <laughs> yeah. crocodile. I mean, it's clear, like, shit's going on here, weird shit's going on here. But, no, it's got a... Basically, like, um... It's got a feel like he tried to... He tried to kind of duplicate Chainsaw, I think. Yeah. Sort well, he, of, he was and trying it's got... To, to be fair, he's trying to get his money back. He got fucked out of the Chainsaw. Right. Man. Right, and he may have recouped a lot. He might have made a lot of money off uh, off that film. So, but yeah, going but then back you got, to the uh, uh, Salem's Lot too, you know, was a big oh, success. That, that's that another thing. Movie. Salem's Lot. That's his third installment of film. You know, in third yeah. film, I think. Right, that was before Funhouse. Yeah, yeah. right? For, that came yeah. out. Yeah, like I know it was made for TV and everything, but like, like I, you know, I've always like Salem's Lot has been one of my favorite movies. You know, I always, you know, again, I was a baby, I think, when it was on TV. So obviously, I didn't watch it when it came on as the miniseries. But I, I would catch it as being rerun. And then you know, when DVD came around, I got the DVD and then the Blu-ray. And like, that's just one of my favorite movies. Period. And like, I don't care if it was made for TV. It's like. So, sorry fuckers toby hooper got a good uh good film filmography yeah no i was always creeped out i know we're getting off but hey we're kind of staying on topic because we're talking toby we're talking we're staying within the realm we didn't get crazy like ec used to we yeah. were talking about whatever but anyway salem's lot um yeah the cr- scene when the kids fly in through the window oh, yeah. like the one kid just tapping on the window and shit is like always creeped the fuck out of me and yeah. um i thought it was really effective and um yeah no i was telling you last uh around last halloween the uh, dg had that uh four pack uh blu-ray set because like i never seen salem's lot the standalone blu-ray and i was like i gotta get this i think it was like eight ten bucks best eight ten bucks i ever dropped on a blu-ray pack yeah. i think it's got cat's eye and um it's on there and i double dipped on a cat's eye i think and I love uh cat's eye in it as well yeah but no i wanted that salem's lot uh a blu-ray so damn bad and it's worth it man and the commentary on there is great i reckon mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to that one with hooper i did uh, a while it's, ago, it's but... just yeah it's because like that and the fun house are some of his latter day like i think he he recorded those like uh before you know a few years five six years before he passed away so that's like his later comments i think and maybe the life force one probably has a later uh 
uh, commentary. But even going back, like you're like, oh, shitting on his work or whatever. The Toolbox Murders of his modern stuff. The Toolbox Murders remake is fucking dude. It's up there. Yeah, like, that's a fun film. I know his later stuff in the '90s or eh, I don't know. I just got I, I just got um, Spontaneous Combustion. Never seen that either. I wanted to watch it before this so we could comment on it. Is that any good? I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I remember as a, is, ki- a kid being hard to get through. I was just bored by the storyline. But I'm oh, sure if okay. I watched it now, I probably. You know, now that I'm not 12 years old anymore, I probably would enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I never seen it, so we I, missed the seeing the meat cooking in the yeah, oven. So, but I still couldn't really see it very well. But she seems to be disturbed by it. And well, um, yeah, what's happening on the soundtrack? Bad is uh, the guy's got the radio playing, and it's a news report, and um, the the news report is talking about the grave robberies and he keeps talking about the different limbs being removed from the bodies and all this stuff so she's she's kind of hearing that and looking at the meat and the meat isn't like it it's it's weird and deformed looking but you don't see like an, obviously a hand or anything it just looks I thought weird. it looked like kind of like a hand in there but that was you know the I mean it kind of does but they kind of zoom in on it and then like you see it closer and you just you can't really tell it's just weird nondescript fleshy meat and it's really more like her listening to like what I got out of it was it's more her listening to the news report and putting it together in her head. And that's what's creeping her out. But I think the indication that they're cannibals is um, he's hanging them on meat hooks. And I, I, and I could yeah. really I couldn't see this on the past VHSs, but like I believe it was that first Dark Sky DVD. I could make out that there was like over by the meat grinder. There's like a bunch of. Uh, sausages or something laying over there and he's because he's like where are they did you get them all uh the cook and he's like and he points to the pile of sausages and like we don't see franklin so like i i was like whoa they're he already i never realized that they clearly show that he butchers the sausages yeah Yeah, with the chainsaw so right he's cutting up um jerry at the beginning uh like during the day in the kitchen there and like then he goes and like there's that big meat fork and he like throws that down and shit and it's like yeah it's clear you're preparing and also, dinner and then of course co- and of course Leatherface comes out in the domesticated um, woman mask and right. he has the apron on like well he's running around with a regular apron but he's got like the homemaker lady right. apron so it's clear he's cooking you know yeah and like here this is where they tied to the part where the cook is beating the hitchhiker. Telling, I told you to stay away from that graveyard. Like they, they are definitely hard connecting that. Mm-hmm. You know the the hitchhiker's been stealing all the shit out of the the body parts out of the graveyard. But um, and then to, we get more cult stuff that I we didn't even really because we were gabbing on a bunch of other shit at the beginning yeah. of how the radio said that um that like the bodies were wired like a monument and right. stuff like that you get more like weird occult Cult, things yeah. that the hitchhiker's doing and shit like that like he li- clearly wanted to leave like a like a like he'd been there like you if you if you don't want to be detected you don't just like right. make like uh one of these statues that you're making at your fucking house on the damn <laughs> uh grave marker you know what yeah. i mean but he's like no i want to leave my calling card like I've been here, so you know it was the sickos. Like, yeah. And only parts of the corpse have been removed. Yeah, which, which, I mean, obviously, there's, there's parts. <laughs> oh, that here are, we go. Yeah, there's, there's Franklin's wheelchair over there rocking. 
Which and, we told, uh, let's we, see if we can see the pile of sausages. Because they're eating sausages on the table. You, they all have a big sausage on the plate. It's Franklin. Yeah. Well, we totally <laughs> talked over, too, of um, when Franklin got killed, Leatherface just kind of comes out of the woods and saws him in the chair. But um, You know, Newt was telling me that there's a scene that he saw where Leather... I think he's making it up, but uh, he's like, no, it's on that uncensored cut where... Leatherface, yeah, there's the pile of sausages over there on the on the butcher paper. Oh yeah, I see it. They're like yeah, so you couldn't really see that very well on previous uh, cuts. Like it was just like real dark and stuff, which you know I think that adds more creep to it. Like I don't know what's going on. I can't see. It's fucked up shit going on. Like I can't make it out. So like then your mind inserts, and that's why I think his mind did on this. He said that there was a cut he saw where Leatherface when he saw Franklin. He sticks his tongue out and licks the blood off of his mask. I think you're just inserting things. Like, because Toby Hooper talks about it in that original commentary, how he's like, yeah, people claim that, or a documentary or something, I don't remember which. He's like, people claim that there was loads and loads of blood. Right. And really, the only blood that you see is the splat, little bit of splatter when Franklin gets chainsawed there. Right. So it was like this this cut these cuts these dark cuts and stuff people are so horrified that their mind is inserting more than what's really on the on the film well there also you know? too there's that thing too a lot, a lot of times they talk about horror movies people cover their eyes or they close their eyes so that and then they're like yeah they had all this shit in the movie that wasn't really actually there you know what i mean right filling in the blanks and stuff and the, i think that's why this film works and i get you know i get that grainy cut but, you know, after you've seen it and you've seen the other versions, like, you can see what's going on. So it's not like the first time you saw it where your mind is. And not like I said, my first few times of seeing it, I kept coming over to those neighbors' houses. And, they like, the first time I saw it, when I first came over there, uh, it was um, Jerry walking around looking for Kurt. And I just seen um, Pam get murdered and stuff. And I'm, like, freaked out. I saw that scene. And then I come over there another day, and it's the chainsaw chase dance scene at the end mm-hmm. and uh, yeah i was like five or six and i was just like horrified obviously my mind is like filling in some blanks because i mean i'm really just seeing the horrifying shit i didn't really see um the bulk of the film you know so right. but it always stuck out until i rented the media tape later on like oh what's what's this movie this movie's mystical it's got some kind of weird power i mean i've always felt like this film is powerful Oh yeah, in in other it's very ways, primal. you know, yeah. But uh, that was a great action sequence too. After Franklin gets it, um, and I think that too, like, because we all know about Franklin now, the the shock value is kind of lost on us. But I know at the time this movie came out, a lot of people were really kind of shocked that a guy in a wheelchair got killed. But like that was like another marker of this film going for the 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 guts and you know going for the just having balls that were a lot of horror movies did because a lot of the horror movies were very cheesy back then you know very gothic kind of oh cheesy. yeah and 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 they also wanted to have like for instance last out to the left they wanted to have some kind of comedy goofy ass you know yeah. relief stuff and you did get that on a lot of grindhouse horror movies that could have had this um, status early on even in the sixties. But had like I, Night of the Living Dead really didn't have any like comedy. There was no comedy relief no. in that. So I think Romero tried, but you know I think it's also other things like this had a bunch of like weird industrial like shit. Like uh, like when he slams the door, 
it's got like this it sounds like someone's shaking a door and like pounding on it's like all this yeah. industrial type music sounds and stuff whereas um romero tried to go with like uh of the time period like um musical scores like uh that were more socially i guess or professionally accepted yeah in the industry where it was just like stock uh tracks that right. he got that were and it was a budgetary thing too obviously but if he had gone with like weird sounds and stuff like people yeah. would be like i think putting that one over a little bit more i'm looking on imd or uh, on wikipedia and um it's talking about that art the pg rating they were trying to get but yeah. um it goes a little bit further and says that it actually originally got an x rating Wow. After several minutes were cut, it was resubmitted to the MPA and received an R rating. A distributor apparently restored the offending material, and at least one theater presented the full version under an R rating. In San Francisco, cinema goers walked out of the theaters in disgust, and in February of '76, two theaters in Ottawa, Canada, were advised by local police to withdraw the film, lest they face uh, morality charges. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, I didn't know about this stuff. After its initial British release, including a one-year theatrical run in London, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was initially banned on the advice of the uh, BBC. Secretary Stephen Murf Murphy and subsequently by his successor, James Furman, while the British ban was in force, uh, the word chainsaw itself, itself was barred from movie titles forcing imitators to rename their films in 1998 despite the bbfc ban uh camden london borough council granted the film a license the following year the bbfc passed the sex exchange on massacre for release with the 18 certificate indicating that it should not be seen or purchased by a person under 18 and it was broadcast a year later on channel four so they didn't really get this thing was like hard to find i'm guessing yeah. until 98 in in the uk which isn't you know surprising because they c created the whole video nasties right. list and everything so they really banned banned. The show, a lot of movies but yeah that's interesting so there was like uh there was a cut that when it was castle hill put out the laser disc and that vhs that i bought it must have been cut but i don't know that wiz the wizard video was cut because i I remember seeing that, and it looked identical to any other screening I've seen. I wonder if, seen, so if it wasn't really what. uncut. It was just, you know what I'm saying? Like, they cut it, well, and then Castle they just restored Hill it. Well, Castle Hill put on their release, their Laserdisc and that VHS, that first time ever uncut and uncensored. And I thought, I remember yeah. seeing that on mine, but I never really paid any attention to it. And then I was looking up the VHS here recently. I was talking to Newt uh, the other night, and I was like, yeah, this is the one I used to own. And I'm like, huh uncensored and uncut that's weird i don't i didn't know that it ever got cut yeah because yeah, there's like even in the uk i know especially there's a lot of movies in the 80s and 90s that were like uh whatever you know unrated and then they just resubmit it later like whatever video distributor later and then just got an r or whatever they're well, not an r but a 15 17 whatever their equivalent rating is so there's like a lot of times like shit that's like oh this is socially unacceptable to put in the movie now it's like 10 years later you can just put it back in and nobody cares you know what i mean i think so stuff's a little bit tamer we were looking at that german scream yeah. And the German certificate 16, so I guess the uncut version that they won't release right. here in the U.S. is suitable in Germany for 16-year-olds. Yeah, Germany is really odd back because they censor the shit. I have a, a, a Blu-ray 
uh, of um, Predator 2 that's cut the shit from Germany. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I didn't realize this was so cut. Like, I just got it just to get the steelbook, and I went to actually watch yeah. the movie. I'm like, this is cut to shit. Like, it's, like, it, like even just from memory, I mean, I'm like, what happened to this scene? I'm like, oh, look, yeah, this is the cut version. Like, it's so weird. And then there's other shit where Germany, like, they're the only country to release the uncut version or some shit. So right. I have no idea what's up with their censorship. Yeah, that's it, it is weird. And, like, uh, that Martyrs, which I can't even watch anyway because it's, uh, yeah. it's got, yeah, the sub. there's no English subtitles. Apparently that's cut by a few minutes, so yeah. I wouldn't have been satisfied with that even if it had English subs. Anybody out there want to know French or uh, German who wants a nice copy of uh, Martyrs, hit me up. It's, I haven't cracked it because I'm not going to because there's no point. Yeah. I don't speak French. But um, but I was going to ask your opinion, like, because I always remember Sally Gets Away by jumping out the window, but mm-hmm. I kind of had forgot, like, the first time she runs she the house. She jumps out the window twice. Yeah, she jumps she through the window out the twice. Second story, like, and then goes out the uh, ground floor window. D- d- this had to be the movie, right? That started the kind of trope of uh, the female heroine or whatever in the horror movie jumping out the window escape. Because, like, if you look in the eighties, that happened in movies all, like all of the fucking time. And then they have them do it in like the. Se- I don't remember. I think in three, she does it, and then mm-hmm. for sure in four. The the main heroine does it too as well. Um, jumps out the window, so they wanted to keep doing that. Did they? Can't remember. Does anybody jump out the window in that fucking shitty ass Netflix fucking reboot? I don't remember. I only watched yeah. it when it first came out. You watch? You did watch it, or you didn't? I did. I watched it the first oh. weekend it was out. It's a, it's horrendous. It's just not what I want. No, I mean, there's way. only one good scene, too. It's a, that bus scene. And uh, that's that's about it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, and it just shows that, like, you can try and try and try. You're never, you're never going to come close to this. I mean, I mean, that one didn't even come close to, like, I'm not even a huge fan of part two because it's got too much comedy going on in it mm-hmm. and not enough, and not, like, it's got black, some dark comedy, like black humor, oh, but it's like, there's just some goofball bullshit going on that always just like, I'm like, if you just didn't do that, like this would have been great. Cause there's some really like when the kid gets his head sawed in half at the beginning and shit is like, I remember that, like making my stomach turn when I first seen it, you know? And, uh, I don't know. I just, but yeah, they try to re they try to like reuse a lot of stuff and like, they're like, Oh, well, this works, so it's going to work again. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know how to use it. You don't it, know what you're doing. It will work again when we shoot yeah. it on some clean, clear digital yeah. video, and then we stream it. I don't even want to go into horror sequels made for streaming. I hate that shit. But, but we got to talk about our boy Grandpa. Like, yeah. I love the Grandpa character. He's only 18. The, guy, the actor yeah, the, is only 18, but he looks 100. I mean, the guy the, this super transformation young, really. is amazing. And yeah, he only wanted I, to do the makeup once because it took so long, so they had to film like 18 hours straight to get yeah. all this shit done. I uh, I met John Dugan, actually. Um, interestingly enough, I went to this one of the roadshow when they put out that 4K uh, Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and they had a roadshow-type uh, Alamo, probably Alamo Drafthouse, because they'll, they'll send these prints out to even, like, even if they're not an Alamo Drafthouse, if they're, like, um, a, just, a, like, a indie... Uh, uh, art house type theater and we got it um, in, when I lived in Nashville 
And um, yeah, he was there. But I used I worked a haunted house while I was down there too, and he came and did a signing at the haunted house. I actually didn't get to meet him that time though, mm. because I was too busy working the haunted house, and I thought maybe he'd stick around mm-hmm. for the people working the haunted house to like meet him and get an autograph. But no, so. And he wasn't doing a signing at the showing, but he did do a, like a Q and A, and I got to like ask questions, you know, throw some questions out there and shit. So. But I love how the family's like, "Yeah, Grandpa or Killer, he's the best killer. He he's killed so many cows in a row at the slaughter. He could kill." And he's like 120 years old, so he can barely right. hold the hammer, and he's just like fl- he just keeps dropping it and try. Like to me, that's actually one of the scarier scenes because he's just, actually like, 127 because. In uh, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, they say that he's 137 years old, Jeez. and and they try to do he again. He does the same fucking thing. He tries yeah. to reuse the same tropes where they're like, do the hit him in the head, Grandpa. Grandpa's the best, and I mean even Toby Hooper tried to. He couldn't even top himself. Like that's what I'm saying. If Toby Hooper couldn't top himself with Chainsaw two, nobody will. I love if Chainsaw too, but it. it feels like a intentional parody. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is so great with us. I love this guy jumps out and he sees fucking Leatherface with those. He's like, nope. Oh shit. Oh fuck no, I ain't fucking with this guy. Get up in here, girl. Well, one thing nobody ever talks about, and I kind of had forgotten. I was like, oh yeah, like the fact that the hitchhiker was slicing the shit out of Sally with the razor mm-hmm. blade. Her back. That's yeah. why she's blo- really bloody. Her back yeah. is. But it's funny too because I always you always remember as a kid or I did that the truck driver came and saved her. But like it's not yeah. even true. The truck driver gets chased out of his own truck by right. Leatherface too, and we never yeah, know what it ends up. Truck happening. driver yeah. picks him up, yeah, picks her up, yeah. Yeah, the guy in the pickup comes and ends up saving her. This is awesome. He bonks Leatherface in the head with the wrench, so Leatherface falls and cuts his own leg. Yeah, I guess they put a, a steak under there or something, piece of meat, like a real piece of meat under it. But then they had a plate, and um, I remember Gunner on the commentary, maybe like some of the documentaries was saying that plate from that blade actually hitting it, like because that was a real live chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, it heated the plate up and burned his leg. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I would be so nervous doing that. Like you think you're afraid it would go through, that. like you know. Well, I don't think he fell. I think they dropped the saw. Left. They're right. like, okay, lay down, and we're going to drop the saw. It's like an insert leg. shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's an insert, but it's like the lengths they went to to get that. They're like, okay, we're going to put a plate on your leg and saw through the steak with some fake blood on it. And, uh, yeah, good luck. And this is so classic, too, the shot of her. She's riding in the back of the pickup truck. And I love the shot of him chasing the pickup truck with the chainsaw and then obviously and, doing the ch- and we get the great dance and stuff and all the colors are so vivid i'm honestly exactly. i don't know the we were talking about different restorations and stuff but like what i'm watching here this looks other than like hardcore scratches and grain and stuff mm-hmm. this looks pretty much true to all of the past cuts mm-hmm. like it just enhanced and the colors are more vivid so and that's such an awesome shot too of like him against the outline of the sun and, the, and i love the i love this when movies do this in general but this was one of the best examples of it when like it just cuts the hard cuts the black that's always a yeah. great way to end a movie yeah and it's like you know like maybe modern audiences wouldn't like this film because uh there is no explanation of what's going on right i don't know there's no explanation they're just like this is what's happening and it's just like i don't know i just like that i wish people would get back to that i mean my short film style was like that too like real like here it is it's i'm gonna just throw it at you probably because i've watched 
have watched this film so much that like you know I I, I, I can tell where people's um, their influences are if they've had like hardcore uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre just like Grindhouse influences uh, just by the stuff what they're kind of reproducing even subconsciously um, in their work and stuff so yeah i i it just i don't know this is just really is a masterpiece i mean it's just yeah. you can't really overstate how good it is and it's just like the uh we didn't talk a lot about it but like the whole thing of um the dinner scene like to me that was always the height of the madness and like oh yeah i like when they that's one of the best things i like that they do create like it's never as good obviously but when they do the dinner scenes and the sequels and stuff like that's really what Texas Chainsaw Massacre is about is like how crazy and like whatever fucked up and this this uh this family is, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I know this kind of extension too because um we've done a it's not really a, available right now, but I eventually I'll be putting the episodes back up, but you were on that uh we did yeah. a Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective for um exploited cinema yeah. uh, some it was years super ago. long too it was like five yeah, hours six hours five hours like it's not yeah. the longest you were involved with the longest dc yes. episode ever yeah what was it what did it clock in at seven hours seven hours i mean we recorded for like nine but the yeah. edited version i think was seven hours yeah we should have just kept going so we could say we recorded 10 yeah like i kind of like like i kind of tried to get that done when i started hillbilly dvds i had that pod jam thing where i had all my podcasting friends like just call in we didn't know who was going to show up and i kept it going for multiple segments but um but yeah like i kind of like that like i mean like we never knew it was going to go nine hours that one day but i kind of like would love to do like a 10 hour thing if i could line up enough people to kind of rotate in and out you know what i mean but we had a good time we did it because we've done so many um You'd done so many exploited cinemas that were yeah. long with me. You had no problem. Whereas, like, I could see Zach was, uh, yeah. he was a ju- he was in the junior leagues. He was like, I thought I was going out and get a bite to eat, guys. It's like, fuck you, eat your fucking chair, dude. You're like, <laughs> clearly, it's you ain't seasoned enough. You could listen to these episodes, but if you're doing one, you're like, oh, this is a whole other ball game. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah, by the way, Zach, if you're listening, I watched Black Swan. It's good, but I don't you were trying to pull my sleeves card for that. It was like sophisticated pinky up. I'm gonna put some caviar on my cracker sleeves. It was A twenty four sleeves. Yeah, it was A twenty four sleeves. I'm more accustomed to like uh rape your mama and then murder her sleeves and then film it sleeves. <laughs> uh I don't know why, like, I always, like, find this amusing, but uh, the main video game I play, Bat, it's called Dead by Daylight. And, yeah. And, like, you go online and, like, you pick a killer and then four people play survivors. And basically the goal of the game is they got to repair these five generators to power an exit gate so they can escape out of the level before you kill them. And, like, what you do is, like... Before you kill them. Yeah, like, like the way you kill them, too, is, like, you knock them down and then you pick them up and you put them on meat hooks and and like when the game launched it was like all kind of like fictional characters like there was a fake leather face in it and stuff but then they ended they ended up the the game ended up doing so well they got the money to actually start licensing the character so you have to buy it separate for like five bucks but there is the leather face in it and um one of his perks and i always liked it like you pick these little perks like you kind of design your own character what special little things he has 
and it's it's uh, the perk is called Franklin's Demise, and the the symbol for it is a hand dropping a flashlight, like how when Franklin gets chainsaw, he drops the flashlight. It's like the shot of that, and like yeah, when you have that perk activated as Leatherface, you go up and you hit them, and like whatever item that they're carrying, whether it be a flashlight or a toolbox or whatever to help them fix the generators, they drop it. So yeah, I I think it's kind of cool that you know in this world of uh, just Leatherface, Leatherface, generic Leatherface, he's been in eight movies. That a modern video game actually paid uh, homage to Franklin of all people. Well, yeah, and I don't think that's the first time Leatherface is featured in a video game. I could have sworn there was like some kind of fighting game, maybe Mortal Kombat, I think or so, one of these yeah. fighting games where you, where you could unlock Leatherface and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, he's he's definitely I and you know, I always like to compare this to like, you know, of uh, the 30s and 40s and stuff, 50s, you had the creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula, right. Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, and Leatherface and Jason and there are new mar- like universal monsters. I mean, not some of them, I don't know who universal what properties they own exactly like, yeah. off the top of my head, but you know what I mean? Like the, these are the modern movie monsters now, and I think that they're sticking around a little bit longer. But yeah. um, you know, the, like we haven't had a new Friday the Thirteenth. Obviously, there's, there's licensing issues or right. whatever with the rights. I mean, or there'd probably be like ten of them out. We haven't had a new Friday the Thirteenth in a long time. We haven't had a new Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I think uh, Elm Street is just they they realize they can't replace Robert England. I think. Right. I think Friday the 13th is like, because everybody's like, oh, the rights issues. I'm like, well, there wasn't a right issue after the remake or 80 million. They just didn't want to do it. They were right. like, they're like, this isn't worth our time. The studio was like, like we like, we like $400 million profits. We don't like $60 million profits. Well, especially if you dump like, well, I mean, a modern budget now is like 20 to 30 million. And that's like a small budget. Yeah, that's low budget. Right, that's very low budget, and they don't even want to like rock that on something that's not gonna at least triple triple that yeah. money. So I mean, but um, they're trying it with uh, with Hellraiser now. I, I'm hearing it's shit, uh, but I was hearing that leading up to it. I haven't watched it yet, so we've tried. They've, they're going and revamping it without uh, you know Doug Bradley and. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Doug Bradley it, even said that there would be, like, they would never be able to do it without him. And But he, it's like, yeah, but you yeah. also don't want to do it anymore. So right. what, are you, do you just want him to kill the franchise then because you said you don't want to do it? Same thing with Robert England. I don't think he said he'll, he uh, they couldn't ever do it without him. Yeah. But he's also said he doesn't ever want to do it, so it's like again. So but it's he like wants you to kill, dress up at conventions. That's right. what he really he wants, wants to dude, do. The guy's charging like a fortune. Like I heard these last, like this past year, what he's like. I think he's charging like two hundred, three hundred dollars an autograph. Dude, you know what I think the real disconnect is, and I'm serious. I don't, I don't think it's that like those guys, Doug Bradley, Robert England. I don't think it's that they won't do it. I think it's just that like. The they old... know how much it's worth, really. I right. think they want to get paid more. So they're like, if I'm if I'm 65 years old and I'm going to put this makeup on for eight hours a day and run around and do all this shit, like break me off a couple million, and then you a can't... lot more than a couple million. Like they want like probably 20, 30 percent. And let's be for real, 
I mean, maybe not so much Doug Bradley. Like, I, well, yeah, kind of. But Robert England, especially, like, there is no Freddy without Robert England. Oh yeah. Like he not should be. It should be a fifty-fifty split. Like yeah. he, if without him, you don't have a movie because he. You can own the rights to Freddy all you want. He is Freddy. Exactly. Like that face, that face, and that look is him. And it doesn't matter how old he gets because we're putting makeup over his face. Right. And and he will always you can always make him look the same once you put that right. makeup over his face. I think the guy that didn't get hardcore about it, but it, but the, it, the franchise never got that big, was Angus Scrim. He was even willing like right. that last uh, Phantasm. He was like di- like dying, yeah, and was like, "Yep, let's do another one." Who knows how much uh, Coscarelli, how much additional footage he got for like a possible right. another one to. To use like let's shoot some more stuff uh angus because we know you're dying but i i think i think the disconnect is like these guys want millions of dollars in the studio if they were smart they would just pay them and make the movie and collect the money but with the studio goes we're a major studio we're a major studio we pay people scale people right people uh basically pay to work with us like that's everybody's thing like we have one name actor and then scale and like you can't like they're so ass backwards the people that run these film studios now they're like they can't fathom because they don't know who robert england or doug bradley is like it's not brad pitt or like whoever so like they're like why would we pay this guy i've never heard of millions of dollars but then like what the fans are like the fans are like that's who we want you know what i mean and they know and they know who robert Robert England really is the Brad Pitt of fucking he horror is. movies. I mean, he is. He's the one. <laughs> so. But by the by the way, do you think it would have been impossible for Texas Chainsaw to get a PG because of uh, Sally's shirt? Like her nipples are hard the entire movie. Yeah. I don't know if that. I think that would have been all right. I think it's right, the Becky. fact that. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's the fact that like uh, you know the whole fucking hitchhiker bitch hog and all that yeah. you know using that kind of lingo and. Um, the fact that um, it's clearly indicated by the end of the film that they're eating the victims and there's cannibals, cannibal stuff going on here. I don't think you're going to get around that for PG. There's just no way. Like basically like the only way that you probably could have gotten a PG is if Sally had jumped out of the window and she was immediately thrust onto a sleigh with Santa Claus right. and they went to the North Pole and made toys and shit and went and gave them to like sick kids at like these uh, cancer, you know, like yeah. make a wish hospitals. Maybe in like, in the, you know, Leatherface was down there shaking his fist at Santa Claus and Sally as they're riding into the sky. Uh, and then that's the only way that you could have gotten a PG, I think. Yeah. I don't see that that film could have done any. You you would have had to cut half the film, and the kids would have just had to go to a rock concert. Right. You know, like they, they just never. None of this ever happened. There's some weird stuff at the fucking gas station, and they just kept on, and they never. The get the the cook had gas, and they yeah. were just keep continued on. That's Are... another element we didn't really get into. Is like. If they had got went to a different gas station or they had gas, this never would have happened. Well, it's funny too because like the gas station, the guy's like, "Oh, the pump's empty. Like, you know, they won't be here to refill it till late this afternoon." Or it's like, how do we even know that part was true? They could have just had gas at that gas station. You know what I mean? Plus he, plus he knew that they were going to that old house and he knew yeah. that old house and stuff. But yeah. he tried to warn them too. Yeah, it's weird that like. 
he's like he's got like some kind of multiple personality thing going on yeah. too because like he tried to tell them don't go there don't mess around there like in and try to try to warn them and it's like yeah but you're like part of this so it's like but yeah but like also too bad we didn't talk about it during the dinner scene but he was screaming <laughs> at them saying like why do you like like he's saying like i don't like killing myself he's like just get it over with just kill her you yeah. know what i mean so it's but like, he likes eating flesh I don't know if he likes it. It's just, that's just what his family does. <laughs> well, we clearly he enjoys it by second film because yeah. Jim Saito comes back for the yeah. second film. It's and it's clear time. that he's the mastermind behind this and he's turned it into a business and he likes yeah. to make chili out of them. I love when he goes to like the big convention to make the chili. <laughs> <laughs> chili cook-off. Yeah. And uh, LG makes Stretch a fucking fry out. A bitch a little fry out. Yeah, I just watched that the other night. Have you covered that one? No, I haven't covered. That's why I wanted to get this ball rolling because, like, I like to do You're a like, thing. We could do more. We could do. The, oh, yeah. We could do two this month too. I don't know if I have time. I mean, I just got. Well, the, I just got the Blu-ray. So we're, 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 that... I have. I hate to say this, but we're pushing it. Releasing this episode in October. Because whenever, we, like, whenever we release horror movie episodes eleven months out of the year, they do great. They're our biggest downloads. Bat, or at least them during October. Just like if I release a Christmas film uh, thing during uh, December, like the numbers tank. So, unfortunately, the numbers are going to tank on this episode because it's a horror movie. In are October. you going to release it in October or no? Yeah, we I'm going to. October, I'm going to. So. I want. I want to give the people more episodes because I because I know the hardcore people don't care. The hardcore people yeah. will download, and I don't care about download numbers anyway. I pay. <laughs> I, I pay money to make to this it, show. I don't care. <laughs> I told you to just put it out early. Make. Dude, put it out on the 15th, the 16th. Like, put it out in a week or so, so they got plenty of time to consume it. Because nobody's going to listen. I mean, we found that out with EC. It would always be, like, November 1st, and I would get, like, I would put it out on, like, Devil's Night, and yeah. but I would get my most downloads, like, in November. I mean, like, the I, hardcores would listen, but, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't get consumed until November. I don't really well. care. Like, I think I think because we got some other stuff in the can, I think this will come out, like, six seven days before halloween yeah but but it doesn't matter because six months from now all of a sudden people will wake up and download it so i'm not really concerned about it they'll get to it when they get to it and i understand it even me like i i hate these people that act like horror doesn't and when i say people i mean like these companies that release these movies and shit they want to bombard you for one month and then starve you out the rest it's like if you're a horror fan you're a horror fan you know what i mean i thought the summer was decent i mean we mm. had acts we had a uh, black phone even though and that's why i'm not listening on the barbarian really because i yeah. remember these motherfuckers going it was good, but it wasn't a horror movie. It's like, what do you want this? What do you What do you expect? Like, there's yeah. never gonna. If it's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then in my opinion, it nothing's a horror movie. Then. Yeah, there was a tidal wave of horror like, in September this year. I didn't really yeah. understand. And like, I guess because they just wanted to get away from Halloween ends <laughs> coming out, they thought that was gonna suck all the air out of the room. But yeah, how, when is that? Is that dropping this month, or is it already out? Or I didn't see it's that. It's coming I out this Friday, it. but oh, it's, it's it's free. It's free to watch Halloween ends. Just just watch it for free. Oh, I could always. I, I mean, I have my ways. I'm, well, I'm gonna I, watch, I can it watch it legally for free, free on Peacock <laughs> Networks. So. I ain't getting the cock. I ain't paying for that shit. I'll just as well go down to the theater because I mean, dollars see the cock or twelve dollars at your local theater. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite twelve. I think it's I think it's ten. 
because uh, that's like your Regal or AMC fucking Hellraiser's prices. Free. Yeah, Hellraiser's yeah, free. Hellraiser's free, and free, I, I'm yeah, I'm sure cool. I'll get around to the Hellraiser before everything. But I got so much sitting here, like yeah, I've been buying. We're we're gonna be doing some kind. Of, I don't know if we're gonna do it this month or next month. We're gonna be doing. Go ahead, tell them, give them the introduction, because that'll probably be the next episode, huh? Are you talking about the? Uh, what are you rolling out? We're rolling out a special. Yeah, we're 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 going to unveil a, a show within a show, and it's going to be called Movie Hoarders. It's going to be uh, it's good, part of the movie graveyard here, right? Yeah, it's Movie yeah, Hoarders it's... presented by the Movie Graveyard. Okay, yeah. With like it was, like, uh, it's complete, completely your brainchild, but we've already yeah. done some shit like this on uh, EC. Like the last episode of yeah. EC that we did, we got into the boutiques which i know you were uh kind of reluctant to do because you were like i don't want to promote these fuckers like, i really I didn't at the guys... time but but the thing that 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 made me feel better about was you dug out some boutiques i never even heard of yeah well i think i brought up um turbine actually on right. there and was talking about some of their titles and i i gotta say i got the uh chainsaw 2 blu-ray that they put out i love the cover art if you guys haven't seen it out there go on if you're not even even if you're not gonna get the import just go look at that cover art because it's like some of the it's it it actually trumps vinegar syndrome's current 4k painted art like i like that a little bit but not 43 dollars. i like it i i wish that you know they did something in this turbine direction but their transfer is boss let me say um i i love it so yeah, I gotta say, Turbine. I've already experienced. I've finally experienced them, and they also have a 4K of Texas Chainsaw Massacre out, but I think it's out of print. Mm-hmm. Um, so we might have to wait. I guess Second Sight is working on a, a 4K print. I don't know when that's coming out. Hopefully, Martin comes out before then. But Martin's uh, slated for before Christmas. Big coon. Yeah, and you're a big fan of a second site. You're a big supporter of that uh, boutique. I, actually. Yeah, like I like I, you know, because they are in the UK, and I don't like paying the tax of the middleman. Like I buy directly from them. So when I what I do is I really wait till they have six, seven titles of theirs that I want, and I've bought some stuff full price. I even bought a limited edition of the Craze, which was like super expensive, but it came in this box and all this shit. But like, yeah, I mean, the, the quality stuff. I mean, I I think the three bad like again like the reason i don't like to go into boutique shit is i don't want to shame anybody who's just rolling yeah. off an old dvd like I, this isn't the snobbery collector show no. I, I know a lot of podcasts and youtube channels are like they hold up their 60 dollar import version and like i'm not really about that shit i want people to talk about the movie not the boutique right it's not about the it's that's why i kind of got away from collecting for a while yeah. there because it started to turn into cardboard but the, but the extra feet well yeah now it's cardboard but like when i started getting away from collecting it was but the extra features the extra features it was about that even back to the dvd it was like well i can't get the bare bones i gotta have the extra features but yeah now it's about the cardboard yeah. it is just about the cardboard but i will say and i don't mind talking about it as much because these are uk companies <laughs> i do really appreciate the job that second site uh 88 films and 101 films have done because i've gotten some really good stuff and uh from those companies that nobody else either put out or the version nobody else put out like uh, i can't remember which one it was if it was 88 or 101 but like i got the uncensored uh, it's region b only unfortunately but i got the uncensored blu-ray of swamp thing and that's just like something 
the bar the barbo today the barbo cut yeah yeah that was on the you can get that on dvd here in the states too right. as well there's a uh a, i think there's a couple dvds do you remember that dvd sweepstakes though the barbo cut is like everybody would because like you would buy random copies of swamp thing and like they would all be the censored it'd be labeled that they would be the censored cut but some of them were and some of them Word. weren't yeah yeah but yeah, i mean I what am i going to do what am i going to do with the dvd when i got a blu-ray and I think that Blu-ray is only like eleven bucks, even with the conversion rate and shit. I so got... I heard you. I heard you mentioned a bunch of uh, British boutiques, but I didn't hear about you mentioned Arrow and their wonderful uh, restoration of Dune. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we should table all this. Okay, that was the sneak preak of sneak preview of what's coming on movie hoarders number one. <laughs> Will it be like that level? Is that what we're gonna do? Oh yeah. Are we gonna really? Yeah. Are we gonna really uh, fucking gnaw on these fuckers about some of this? Stuff? I mean, you got to. It, 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 and it, what I like about movie hoarders, which I like, I, I I hold back some restraint here because, like I said, I want I want this show to be about movies. So you got to create a, a show within a show to be like because i know a lot of people get upset because a lot of people are there are a lot of people that are hardcore fans of this label or that label so you need to yeah. like you need to kind of quarantine that raw bareback style talk uh, into its own separate show and, and we'll put a warning at the beginning like you might hear some of your favorite boutiques <laughs> getting disparaged some of this is tongue-in-cheek like yeah there's yeah. things we don't like i gotta this is me being serious though like i'm i'm i've said this on your last i don't know if i brought it up but like i know we talk we there's sometimes we give fucking vinegar syndrome ribs and stuff like that we yeah. both order from them uh right. we ha i know you took a break and i took a little break because i mean geez i was just blowing my load on a bunch of their stuff yeah. and stuff We're but not i rich. mean yeah we're not rich we can't buy every fucking title and stuff and yes they are releasing roadhouse i gotta give them credit for that mm -hmm. one texas chainsaw massacre 2 they released and they've got of uh, the Am amityville out i mean All i've right. got to give them props on these and they made it right with my thriller uh release came a little dinged up they got right. the boxes right off the bat the gal there okay i'm sorry i can't remember her name she's i got her email um the, their customer service yeah gal. she's really good is she is a top class uh lady she didn't even i gave her the photos she said you know is it all the boxes i was honest and said no there was just like the main box and like one of the box corners i mean like they were willing to send me like both boxes they probably would have sent me all the boxes because I I paid for a huge. I bought the Camille Keaton in Italy right. box, and if I'd have said that was dinged up too, they probably would have sent me boxes for that too. Like you know, they're they they want to please. I mean, they know people are spending money, and you know, there's a collector aspect to this and their understanding of that. So I can appreciate that they're not doing some fucking. Um, uh, video boutique that's uh, close to uh, bow, it's something yeah. that loads into a bow, mm -hmm. and uh, just ignoring <laughs> that the disc doesn't work. just ignore it, just ignore it, like just ignore the problem and it'll go away. Like they're not like that. Oh, you, like, you, okay, you got a scene well. that keeps replaying over and over. Well, that, that that's the exclusive <laughs> cut that we release. That it just it, it, it's it's not a it's not an error. We don't have to do a replacement disc. 
Um, we just give you the scene twice. You got a limited edition version of where that repeats itself. <laughs> that spot. That's actually a collectible. Yeah, that's actually very rare. You're never going to get that. The HD DVD, the domestic Blu-ray didn't have it. It's our version. We bring yeah. you the scene that loops over twice again for no reason. Well, it's like them bills, like when the Mint was doing like coins and they'd stamp, <laughs> like, you know, all these coin collectors yeah. are like, this one's got an error. It's worth like 20000 20, or whatever. That's what that Dune, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that Dune, Dune 4K is. Yeah, uh, that, that yeah, Dune 4K yeah. is very special. Yeah, but uh, I get. I guess we'll leave that. That's the tease for movie hoarder. There's a lot of people right now just going, "Oh, I'll never download movie hoarders. I'll never download," it. and that's okay because <laughs> it's 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 not a show for everyone, but it's a show for people like us. Ain't that right, Bet? Well, I mean, if we angered you, you've got to listen. Like, if it, if, it, if that evokes some it's kind like of Martin emotion Downey from Jr. you, right? They yeah, gotta, they gotta listen. <laughs> so yeah, so that th- that's it. I want to thank everybody for listening. Most of all, Bat, I want to thank you for coming out of podcast retirement. Because like, I thought you was gonna be going a little more regular with the EC revival, but I think sometimes. Uh, it's more enjoyable for you to uh, just slide into the co-host chair and uh, bring your sleaze to whatever topic we got going on. Well, I, pre- I feel right at home here, and yeah. of course, I was like, uh, I was like podcasting with you. I was like having you on uh, EC, and we'll probably get something going. I just I kind of want to be more independent. It was nothing against yeah. Zach or anybody over yeah. that way. I think I just wanted to do like a more independent and have a little bit i kind of felt like uh at times i was losing control not that he did a bad job or anything like he was duplicate trying to duplicate uh what we were doing the classic yeah back in the day and he did a really good job but, like there was a lot more stuff like especially during the j-dog era where we would like come up with these like commercial skits and stuff and like i would edit them and um you know, I put a lot more work, so like I feel like if we if I bring it back, like I want to get back to that level because I think it got yeah. real watered down over the years from just pure laziness on my end. So, but you know, it's fun to do something fresh, and um, you've got like a different take here. So, yeah, yeah, I appreciate and like we can cover stuff that like, you know, wouldn't exactly fit the mold. Like I don't know, we were talking about uh, your love for Ghost World in Buffalo '66. Oh, and yeah. It just doesn't seem seem like those films could ever be covered on ec but right. i could i could talk them here with you someday and i hope you haven't covered them well i mean what's great and obviously we could always just make a show just for ourselves and release it and if somebody downloads it they do they don't but one thing that i think is really cool bat uh just by looking at the analytic numbers which i do look at a couple times a week just out of curiosity is uh we have a very wide it's probably hurt our our numbers in terms of like we don't stick to a specific theme or whatever but like what's cool is like i can tell from the download numbers like we have some people who like really like it when we cover like obscure dramas or comedies and there's some people that like it more when we do horror and some people it's mm-hmm. just like so what's really great is like there's really nothing that's out of place on in on right. the show because the show is just a celebration of cinema it like yeah, we probably would have doubled the amount of listeners we have, but like I don't like like I don't need thousands of listeners of every episode. I'm I'm fine with hundreds of listeners, and that's cool with me. You know what I mean? Well, how did your no man? Like, you know, I don't know. I'm just not trying to drag this out, but of the debut episode I was on, No Man's Land, that just seemed like an oddball film that like. Yeah. Not everyone would get into. Not everybody's a Sheen Machine fan, you know. Like I don't, you know. It's just, and then of course, like there's probably some people that believe the 
the uh, Corey Feldman shit. So they're like, I, I won't have anything to do with that gentleman any longer. <laughs> Mr. Shing, you are excommunicado from cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel yeah, like, like it's happened. Like, too, yeah, a little bit. it's, it, 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 you know, like that episode hung in there. Um, it started a little slow, but it picked up some steam. It's still picking up a little bit of steam. But, uh, yeah, the, like, it's really weird. Like, we occasionally have episodes that come out hot out of the gate, uh, and they're usually like Friday the 13th episodes or something like that. But, uh, but in general, it's like, yeah, like we get the core listeners. That's why I don't really promote the shows for the first week or two is I let the core listeners actually get in. And I know that's not a good business thing, but that's just my yeah. kind of hipster whatever, the, what I like to do is I like to have the people that are loyal and in the know and the people that leave me comments on YouTube and shit. Like I let the, I like to let them people have the show first and then like, yeah, like over time it will pick up and then basically we just have those things just like how i found profondo back in the day i was searching for romero shit and i found from profondo's episodes and we have a lot of people that come down that way too that are like keywords right keywords or or, or like we'll just hit upon like an obscure movie and like we even have some comments like on the what do you call it itunes reviews are like oh i never thought anybody would cover chocolate war or whatever so like like we have a lot of like we don't have a lot of listeners that are like i love the movie graveyard i love the goat he's hilarious i want to meet him and hang out like we don't have those people we have people that are like oh there's like 130 episodes here and 20 30 40 of these are like because occasionally our download numbers will spike because i'll I'll see somebody new found the show and then one day they'll download every single episode yeah they go on a binge yeah yeah they're binging your show they'll just like load up their hard drive or whatever they have so they can listen at work or something but in general like yeah it's very movie specific like this is the weirdest shit i mean i I would ask you to guess that but there's no way you would know it you know what the two most downloaded episodes ever of this show is well, I know from you and Zach talking in that one group, one little group uh, message thing we had going, that I know that uh, Josie and the Pussycats was pretty uh, performed really well for you, right? Unexpectedly, it, wasn't it, that it, one of them? Yes and no. Like it, it kind of is that one unexpected? Like you didn't yeah. think that was going to do as well, and it did better than you thought. I thought it right? could. I, honestly, yeah. I thought it could. But number one, which just like just covered on the whim, was the original Jumanji. Uh-huh. Which you're like, okay, there's Jumanji. It's a well like people that. remember. I get that. Number two, like close behind number two, which I never in a million years would have guessed. The Cannonball Run. It's like, what? How many fucking oh, Cannonball yeah, Run man. films oh, are man. you know a lot fans of out there? Love that film, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I I doesn't surprise me on the Cannonball Run because um. Uh, what's his name there? The stunt man um, that did uh, Smokey yeah. and the Bandit directed Cannonball Run, right? I believe so. One of them. I always get them mixed up. Who directed yeah, them? Yeah, uh, it's um, geez, what's his name? He's... Isn't it Hal Needham? Hal Needham. Yeah, yeah, Hal Needham directed Cannonball Run, so I think that's why it's so pop. I don't even know if people are, like film film fans are correlating that, but like a lot of the guys that I know really like Smokey and the Bandit and also like Cannonball Run, just like like those. They're like. Yeah, man, they like to watch NASCAR. Let's get her done. Like they probably your motorheads and work right. out in the garage and shit. Which is nothing wrong with those people. Up, but my uncle was like that, and they, and then they were. I met a lot of yeah, guys. Yeah, my dad was a car guy. I, yeah, car guys and shit that are just they're into this and they like the Cannonball Run and they like uh, Smokey and the Bandit and they just like these car themed movies. So, yeah. um, 
yeah, I think that's, and then, you know, like I said, more sophisticated, obviously, correlate Hal Needham is like, oh, yeah, everything Hal Needham does is great, you know, which, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff Hal Needham did do was great for fucking coming from, yeah. um, dude, that guy was a, a farm boy working, he was, like, during the Depression and stuff, and he, like, uh, worked in Arkansas as a sharecropper with his dad, and the only way to escape that lifestyle was to go and become, like, a, I think it was a paratrooper or whatever, and then somehow he came back and was like, I want to become a fucking work in Hollywood and got him put in the door with stunt man. Like, this is the most unlikely guy, but he was like bound and determined. And then he, friends with Burt Reynolds, he like lived with Burt and he was like, I think I'm going to write a movie script. And everybody's like, yeah, sure, buddy. Like, you're just a fucking lowly stunt man. And he did it. He wrote Smokey and the Bandit and. The reason he got on the map was because he was like, hey, Bert, buddy old pal, will you star in this for me? And Bert would, took a, I guess he took a hit on that uh, payment, you know, just to do mm -hmm. a favor for his buddy. And that's why, you know, put Hal Needham on the map. But even that looked like Hal Needham, a fucking uh, kind of a hick from Arkansas sharecropper's son, right? Right. Is a better screenwriter than these modern fuckos that are oh. fucking producing movies now. I mean, dialogue. I mean, I mean, dialogue. I mean, his dialogue is fucking great. You, you know, it's you know, we 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 can we can trash modern movies all we want, Bat. Except the ones that are made for streaming, you can't prejudge those. If it's made for streaming, then it's really exciting, and we yeah. got to go in fully mind open. We got to make sure that these films really get the examination that they got. Because if you make it. To give away for free, it's going to be the highest quality. What's the what, what was this up? What was this director? I've, you guys were talking about that uh, he made that uh, uh, I don't know whatever trans uh, uh, gay film. I'm sorry if that's wrong, but it's not politically correct. I'm not term, sure. But which, which, you were talking about how he was bitching about. Let's hear about oh, this. Oh no, it was, it was yeah, podcast. it was the guy that made the comedy, and the, the thing was was like what I was pointing <laughs> out was was. This is how he promoted the movie, right? <laughs> he said, if you're not a homophobic piece of shit, go see my gay romantic comedy. It's like, and okay. And it didn't come out for us, Well, not right? only did they not come out, but apparently... Not the, even the gay community The gay came community out didn't like this guy either. I guess he's an obnoxious community. I try to watch some of his videos where he goes on the street and he talks to people. And that's how he promoted the movie. He went out and he was telling people like, like, yeah, like uh, we got this. Yeah, because he heard movie. word of mouth works. Yeah, <laughs> but this guy is just the most abrasive, like whatever. And then like gay people are like, dude, like I'm not leaving my house and paying twelve bucks to watch you like make silly jokes and get railed and everything. So it's like even gay people don't care about this guy. And like that's the point is like the studio was like, oh, like like we got this genius thing. Like this guy, he's gonna come. He's well known for being an outrageous comedian. He really like you know he's one of the comedians like he screams at people on the street and he says stupid shit and he runs away. Like they're like this is the guy that's really gonna get people involved. And it's just like he oh, went, he's edgy. Yeah, he that's went on Twitter and he was screaming at people to go see his. Instead of being like this is a great comedy you're gonna laugh everybody's gonna love it he screamed at people and then like he got the backlash and then he got the backlash like double like eventually like gay people were coming back i'm seeing being like you don't represent us like you're an asshole whatever and now he's like trying to act play it off like he was joking the whole time and he was mm. just like 
it's like it backfired on him and didn't look good. Yeah, well, I think especially with the comedy backpedaling. Yeah, you, you can't have a yeah. sour attitude when you're selling a, a fun comedy. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I think I think that's kind of like the disservice with social media. The movie might be great. He might have made a really fucking funny movie because he was the co-writer and the co-star of the movie. It might be a really funny movie. But why would you fucking, like, tell people, you pieces of shit, you're laying there hating gay people, you need to come see this movie? It's just like, that's not going to get anybody excited, gay, straight, whatever, you know what I mean? You're straight bashing, man. You're reverse psychology in that here, straight bashing. It's like, oh, uh, it's not okay for you to gay bash, but it's okay for me to straight bash. It's like, I love that. It's like a reversal. Yeah, and it's and it's like everybody's gonna be excited because I'm I'm doing the thing that every that I'm complaining about, but right. I'm doing it to another group of people. It's like, no, dude. It's like <laughs> people want to walk into a theater, grab a bucket of popcorn, and forget their problems. They don't want you. <laughs> yeah, they don't really like you when you become like what? Uh, that's basically your equivalent of a hypocrite. Yeah. You know, really, uh, they don't really like that. I don't think that works, and it doesn't. No. Like they can't like uh, over the. I don't know if any of these guys know it, but like. If it's tongue in cheek or whatever, they can't see you winking, dude. Right. Like from the message, like yeah. that you're sending out. Like they. Like can't you're see laying the around in your boxer shorts, hungover <laughs> on Sunday morning. Like right. you still got the Saturday night party vibe going. You're yeah. tweeting this shit, but dude, it's like nine twenty three a.m. Like it's people. It's not fun time anymore. <laughs> people aren't. People aren't ready for your bullshit. Yeah. Oh jeez. But, yeah. but Mod- it, modern film world, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll leave it at that because we have now yeah. officially done a two-hour show for a 83-minute movie. <laughs> that sounds fair, though. Yeah. It's a lot less than the last episode when you had yeah. me on. I, that is I, true. I made you push a marathon, but you were like, you didn't even have to put all that in. And you were like, I'm gonna. I'm gonna release it all. Well, I kind of feel like, too, because like, I messed up last time and didn't do the... Uh, that was the sneak preview of Movie Hoarders. But, like, yeah, there was, like, that good 20 minutes I did. I forgot to record. And, like, I just don't... Like, what's the point? Like, like maybe... Like, as long as we put all the extra fat of the steak on the back end of the episode, I'm cool with it. Because, you, yeah. you know, if, if you listen to the first 83 minutes of the movie... Uh, commentary and you got what you need out of this episode and you don't want to hear you us. can dip yeah, yeah. You, you can go like I like I it's always bothered me bat when I listen to podcasts and they're like even if it's not a commentary show if it's just like a talk show they're like on today's show we're going to review this movie all right I'm five minutes in I'm 10 minutes in I'm 20 That's minutes EC. in you just described <laughs> EC yeah, we but I don't know. You. EC was a different you affair. Listen to the intro. Yeah, because we bring up all kinds of off the wall shit and yeah. stuff that got you. It was like a show within a show within a show within. The a intro show. was a show within uh, a show. Yeah. Yeah. The but intro I'm t- was the money. I'm talking about people that do a 45 minute episode. <laughs> the title is they're going to review this movie or talk about this topic, and they get to that topic with like 10 minutes left in the show. That's the shit I don't like. You know oh I mean? yeah, no, we'd give you like the big old fucking steak, but yeah. like we'd also talk about stuff. We'd actually give you an introduction during the intro, like of yeah. things to come. But we'd say, well, we shouldn't blow a load completely, yeah. you know. And you know, also too, I think there's something to be said too. Is like. I think you're probably going to be more successful in the podcasting game. Uh, this is just my observations. If anybody out there wants to start a podcast, if you want to be successful, do a 45-minute 40, podcast once a week, so four episodes a month. That's like the easily digestible but still constant content. That's not what we do. Like like guys like me, guys like Bat, like 
Like, we don't sit down and talk until we have something we really want to talk about, and we're going to make sure that we get everything we want to say, plus some fat and some BS on top of it. Well, I think it comes down to, like, we get together once, like, every now and again, and then, like, a little bit more, because you hadn't set up your desk, and I kind of, like, it wasn't that I don't want to do pod, it wasn't, like, the first time when I stopped doing EC and then came back, it was just, like, uh uh kind of like i got too busy like i still like to do it but um i noticed like maybe this is with you and i know your girls into stuff and like i know people that are into stuff but they're not like hardcore into like these movies yeah and like gems and deep cuts and stuff like that so i think when we get together whether uh it's you or i get uh or zach's on or we get new nude has joined on ec a few times he was actually gonna be here tonight but he had uh he had some prior obligations that came up uh, rather abruptly. I would have loved to hear because he saw this in uh, 77. Right. Chainsaw. And when he was like, I was like, you've been three at the time. I was like, you probably shit your diaper seeing this and you were a kid. But I just want to hear that, you know, uh, 1977 yeah. uh, drive-in screening uh, viewing in the 70s. But uh, he wasn't able to join us. But yeah, again, like, I think it just comes down to like, we don't talk to people normally. Uh, I mean, if you're if you got a buddy that's into this stuff, like I do have a friend, but we don't see each other as much, and he doesn't live too far away. It's just busy, you know. Yeah. So you kind of want you know, get in with your friends, talk about deep cuts, and you guys are all kind of on the same wavelength. I think that's what it is for me. It's like, oh man, you know, it's easy to spend four or five hours catching up with you or any any of the guys, exactly. but we podcasts it was so i mean yeah we we always i would say like we don't do those like you listen to some podcasts they're so overly produced and they have commercials and they have this and this they have whatever agenda it's just like like i just rather pay for this show out of my pocket to host it to put it out to do whatever like like i've bought in so many movies just because i want to cover them honestly just yeah. to have a copy whatever like i've this podcast has cost me so much money so like at this point like it's a lost cause and and trying to make it you're like it's it's breaking me i'm not breaking even it's breaking me yeah like i'm there's there's no there you know uh, whatever it is dollar shade club ain't coming to save the day financially of the show so like if i'm gonna pay out of my pocket it's gonna be a labor of love and you know what i mean and like the man you're not gonna get on youtube and get advertisements with manscaper no that, that you know i know we talked about it you know not to rehash <laughs> we talked about a lot of the stuff last time too bet but like that's that kind of whole vibe that whole scene <laughs> and know. like one and then like now the fact that youtube puts ads on your stuff and, and rightfully so they're paying to host it but it's like right whether you're getting paid for it or not exactly right? like i don't yeah. i don't want people sitting through a bunch of ads i'd just rather put out a jibber jabber talk show that they can download for free right. you know what i mean listen to that at their leisure whatever exactly. I, you know ec will probably go back on youtube eventually and stuff but like usually like new um podcasts i've noticed like little independent ones like that aren't getting that much traffic right away are not heavily scattered with ads um and usually if it's like one ad at the beginning and then the rest is you're good but yeah when things get more popular then the ads start building up and it's like an ad every like i don't know minute or six minutes or something yeah and like i mean i never had the like the realistic (laughs) goal of like quitting my job to do podcasts or do youtube like i always did it with just the hope that it would catch on and get an audience and stuff like that but it's just like 
sometimes it's better just to do something out of the passion for it than it is to make a business out of it because sometimes once you translate it into being business then it's not as fun anymore you know right and you're required to say good things about screener or like not even just screeners but like the well yeah the boutiques you gotta like oh um yeah grindhouse grindhouse releasing not to say that i want to single because these guys are great they always put quality out but yeah grindhouse releasing everything they put out is gold i i love them even though i mean grindhouse releasing is like a fine wine and they only put like a bottle or two out a year if, right. like in five years sometimes but well, honestly they're doing it right you know it's so. not even about that bad i mean for all the ribs <laughs> you know we give arrow i give arrow like I don't hate Arrow. I don't have any problems with Arrow personally. I'm glad. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad Arrow exists. 4K, yeah, so. but here's the thing: is like, and and like, I ran into this in the past trying to do episodes with other people who were on the shill train of boutique labels, and it's like I just don't want to have to tell you that their shit is like good all the time just because I have to say that. Like, like I'll give somebody credit, but I also tell you when somebody fucked up and they're being douches about it. I just don't want to be forced with my hands tied behind my back to be like a fucking it's like for what like what am i getting out of it you know what i mean right right and then people are like oh you get free movies i was like dude it's like i have shelves and shelves of movies in there i paid for every single one or like you know got them as a gift you know from family members or whatever it's like i don't need somebody to give me free movies like i you know what i mean it's just like and on top of it they would send you six movies and and only one of them you would actually like have bought yourself so what is what's the deal with those five free movies that I don't even want to break the shrink wrap off and and watch? You know what I mean? It's like, is that worth selling your soul for for not telling the truth? Like you know what I mean? And you're for and you're forced to um and you're forced to talk about them too. Forced to so. talk about them and forced to talk about them when you. I mean, I don't know we were joking. I was saying like, oh, the download numbers are gonna suck because it's Halloween. But it's like I don't care. I wanted to talk about Texas Chainsaw. Like we talked about Last House and Texas Chainsaw last time. I'm like, I want to do one of those now. I don't want to wait till January till the numbers are better. And the, it's just like I just want to do what I want to do. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I try to always put out when I was doing EC, try to put out something Halloween oriented or whether, whether yeah. the numbers do good or not, you know, yeah. so every day is like Halloween for me. So <laughs> especially with the collection you got. Exactly. So. You've seen the shrine, but I so I've oh, seen yeah. this is this is this is how deserving of movie hoarders a show within a show we are. I sent bat actual photos that i took of my halloween michael myers shrine shelf and i said that you were missing the blockbuster vhs exclusive <laughs> that i have and i was trying to get that uh <laughs> halloween 2 blu-ray and you're like well i've upgraded but i'll never sell it and i'm like uh but you'll never watch it again just hook the brother up like uh no i will never sell it because i rotate them out Every so often to display them. Everything he's saying right now is true, and that's why we need to make movie hoarders. I'm just gonna send you that blockbuster VHS though, because you worked, didn't you? Oh, you worked at a movie I worked at Hollywood. You never worked at Oh right. Hollywood. Okay, not a, it, well. They're all the same thing. It's like movie. The only one chain that's not the same was Family Video, because right. Family Video had a nice porno section and every fucking. I remember I dated this girl, and uh, not to get off topic, but we are. 
<laughs> trying to end the show, but there's that. more stories like, that are popping up. Yeah, outside of Nashville, and she's like, "Yeah, I've never been to the family video." I was like, "You guys got a family video?" And she's like, "Oh, yeah." And I'm like, "Yeah, every family video has a porno section." She was like, "No, not down here." And I'm like, "Yeah, uh, every one of them. Like, I'm telling you, every one of them, even all of them down here." And we go over, and I'm like, uh, "I bet you a blowjob that we that there is one." She says, you're on. Amazing. Like, oh, damn, get some head on this one. So we go over to the little door, because they all got, like, a door. Yeah. And some of them are marked, some of them are not, but it's kind of incognito, and I open the door, like, like uh, out of some fucking comedy movie from the 80s, you know, where the, oh, like, you've gone to yeah, heaven. And light. I'm like, here we are. Here it is. And she was just, like, her jaw dropped, and she couldn't believe that this was in her little podunk fucking southern burg area. And I was like, no, they're all like this. It, yeah, she probably even walked, if she had been to that store before, she probably walked right past the door, didn't even right. know it was there, yeah. Yeah, because it's, like, going back towards the bathrooms and yeah. stuff, and, like, it's just kind of there. It's, like, you either you know or you don't know. Exactly. And I don't remember if it said, like, adults only or not, but, um, yeah. Like, so even in the, like, holiest of holy southern towns, when a family video, and they've all closed closed down shops, sadly, yeah. but, yeah, they were all the operating family with video the full porn. And when we went into that one, they had like uh, Snoop Dogg's doggy stuff. This was like a lot different than when <laughs> when I was a kid going into them, and they had like Debbie Does Dallas, the you know all the classics. Right. Uh, this is where I rented up uh, the st- uh, Italian Stallion of uh, Part- Stallone's porno yeah, from party actually back. Studs, in the, yeah. yeah, when that DVD first came out, they had it. You know. Oh, wow. I think Pink Flamingos was back there, actually, when I first saw that probably. on VHS. You had to go into the porno section to pick up it was Pink NC Flamingos. Probably. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it, it had hardcore stuff going on. So, yep. That's the first time I saw Deep Throat. That's the first time I saw Debbie Does Dallas. All thanks to Family Video. And I had older people renting them for me. But even back then, like my mom, I remember I could rent horror movies. Mm-hmm. And she was all right, but she had a little thing on there. She's like, he can rent horror movies or R rated, but no pornos. She so knew. even she at knew family video, it, I couldn't get anything out of the porno room, but I could get like the nastiest horror movie on the shelf, but not the porno. So. I wonder if they would have let her put a note on if she was like the opposite. It was like, my son's 14, it's okay if he rents porn. I wonder if they like could have done it. Like, if they would actually have gone through with it. I think they were obligated to, like, yeah. do what the parents' wishes are. Like, I mean, you do. <laughs> like, if mom says it's okay, like, hey, they, they're in the business to make money. Yeah. You know, let's let's not forget. So, and but the yeah, guy behind the counter, know. he's getting paid five bucks He don't an hour. He don't care. Yeah, he is just more headache. I feel like at the, at the movie, like, when I was a teenager, they started, like, oh are you 18 but then if you got like a parent like my mom i remember wrote me notes and stuff so i could get into horror movies and stuff and i'd be like here's my mom's note and stuff and they'd be like all right here you go and even i remember one time i went and bought all my friends tickets to an r-rated movie because my mom came in and was like yep we got i'm like don't worry my mom will come in or i just bring somebody older like i think i was like under i think i was like 16 or 15 when the first resident evil came out so I just took this, like, one dude, and I gave him money to get cigarettes and stuff. He's like, oh, I need to. I was like, I'll pay your way in, and you buy my ticket to get into Resident Evil. And he was like, all yeah. right, cool. 
I bought him a pack of cigarettes or whatever, and he was cool with it, and he took me to the movie, so. <laughs> it's, it's There's so many things we could bring up, but, yeah. Hmm. But again, We're running too late, but I think this is a good little October show. It's a fun yeah. one. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, get ready for more. I think it's really going to be unleashed on movie hoarders when there's no movie to get in the way of all these stories. <laughs> and, we can, and we can fully tell our opinion and experiences yeah. of the boutique. Like once we get the, war- the, the warning at the beginning of the show out of the way and people know what they're in for, and we can really, <laughs> we can really let loose it with the boutique shiki. Well, we should put, yeah, we should, I should, I should send you, if you don't have a copy, I should put you the EC episode on Loner of the seven hour EC episode of the introduction. We could do part two. We could. Because we never got to do part two. And I was always thinking, hey, you did part one for EC and mm. uh, we could do like a multi-form, you know, multi-show deal. Yeah. Movie Hoarders. That would be the sequel. Movie Hoarders number two. The subtitle, Electric Boogaloo. Batuki, Batuki, Shiki, Boogaloo. Yeah. Boogaloo, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So that's it, Fright Fiends. Thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for, you know, coming to worship at the altar of the great Toby Hooper. I just really wanted to throw a shout out to him, dedicate this episode to him, because I, like, I mean, there's a lot of people, obviously, but, like, for a guy who was who should be known as a classic director. I don't think he gets enough praise and respect in all honesty, but yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And uh, toolbox murders is great. Um, as far as his latter day stuff, anybody out there that's like on the fence, um, great. Uh, Angela Bettis is in it. Wow. Um, and yeah, and, and Sherry moon zombie. It's the only film oh. that Sherry moon zombie did that her husband didn't direct. And I think it's just because Rob was probably like, oh, you got to do this movie. It's Toby Hooper. He, like, basically is the reason why I'm making movies. (laughs) He's like, he's the guy that that all my movies copy. So you got to do it for him. Yeah, Yeah, you have to do, you got to throw him a bone and you got to suck his dick. So. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Right. But yeah. She was in her prime still back then too when she did Toolbox Murders. So if you yeah. watch the Monsters, she's looking good in that makeup. That, that I'm not watching that the looks Monsters, dude. It ain't happening. I'm yeah. not gonna watch it. I'll watch it like tw- like Black Swan. I'll watch it like I don't know how long. That's f- 10, 15 years. I don't know if that's been out ten years. It's been at least ten, right? It's like fifteen years, dude. Yeah, it'll be like that. I'll finally be like, yeah, I watched it. It's not so bad. Like, yeah. after the hype and everything. Yeah. All right. I don't, even, I, don't even know, I don't even know what else to say other than thanks a lot, and we'll catch you back here next time in the movie graveyard. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com.